0: Hey what's up everybody, welcome to Screen Geeks Radio episode 146, this is Dave, this is Barry, this is Ethan, and uh, we're going to be talking about a very happy and upset of movies today, (laughs) being Park Chan-wook's revenge trilogy, vengeance trilogy, yeah that should be fun, Um, and releases and all kinds of stuff, so let's just kick it off, Uh, what did we watch this week, I'll go first, oh yeah nothing, I've got too much Starfest planning going on. Yeah, after this episode today, I'm living and breathing Battle Royale for a couple of days just to make sure I've got everything ready for the screening. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Of all the movies to live and breathe, I wish I could live and breathe. That's cool. I, I really like that film a lot. It, it To me, it gets better every time I see it. Yeah. So I think the first time, I was honestly so shocked by it, but the more you go back, I mean, you'll talk about this in your panel, I'm sure. I mean, it's as far as being a satirical, ultra-violent action parable, I think it's pretty wonderful.
0: Yeah, and, and talking about uh, Fukasaku's... Um, his background, why it's just all his movies are so violent, and his life experiences, and yeah. yeah, like seeing it on the schedule, I'm like, holy crap, this is really happening. Yeah, so
1: I see. Yeah, Friday at ten o'clock, like ooh, it's like
0: it's late. You got go to go late to see this thing. Yeah, not the for the little chitlins. And the, yeah, the kids are not allowed.
1: Not for the little Ewoks and Jawas wandering around Starfest.
0: Yeah, so I've totally got Starfest on the brain. Yeah, because. I think I've got an article that we're unquoted in the Onion AV Club for Denver coming up. Well, you know you do. You know, yeah, I know do. that's, yes, a, that's sir, the next yes. issue, right? I think so. Yeah, that's I'll, exciting. I'll post it whenever that happens. Yeah. And
1: so please, those of you who love the Onion as much as I do, go to the Onion AV Club and uh, check
0: out Dave's Common. Well, I'll put on the uh, I'll put the link up and stuff. And that's exciting, man. Radio interviews and staff meetings. Holy crap! Yeah, it's coming up quick. We are too legit to quit. Indeed, and listener Mark Smith is flying out, so you'll probably wow. hear him on the next episode. We're talking about doing a joint podcast between us. Uh, Twisted Geeks, Geek Radio Daily, Jonja, like just everyone getting in a room and just BSing for like 45 minutes. It's not
1: going to be a throwdown like Comic-Con where it's like, I have more geek crit. No, you have more geek crit. No, I have more geek crit. It's like that for two hours. Well, we can do that if you want. It was like the battle of the podcast whatever that stupid panel is. Masters of the web it was.
0: It was masters of the web. (laughs) I am the master of the internet. (laughs) Yeah. Anyhow, so there's my lack of watching anything. Uh, Ethan, why don't you kick us off? Because I know you've watched a ton. Well, maybe not a ton, but a bit.
2: Yeah, a decent amount. I, uh, for the first time, saw Woody Allen's Husbands and Wives.
1: Ah, I like the film.
2: Yeah, it's it's very good. It's I was actually very surprised by how dark it was. Yeah. Like, I'd say next to Interiors, it's probably the darkest Woody Allen movie I've seen. But it was still pretty funny as opposed to interiors, which is just him doing Bergman for 90 minutes.
1: <laughs> do you like interiors though? Because I do like I, the film.
2: I love interiors. I actually, I remember the first time I saw that movie, I actually stayed up all night thinking about it. I couldn't fall asleep.
1: Oh, that's, a problem. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good thing, I think, especially for that film. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with The Hunters and Wives, like it's uh, the scene where Sidney Pollack has that young girl with him and the the explosion at the party, that is one of the most uncomfortable scenes, I think, in a Woody Allen film.
2: Yeah, exactly that. That was the point. The movie was like, whoa. The,
1: oh, God. Yeah, it's so, so hard to watch.
2: Or even that scene, the whole thing early in the movie with him and the call girl is just so, like, kind of awkward. and yeah. yeah, it's a great film. I uh, I saw Source Code in the theater on oh. Tuesday. I enjoyed it. Yay! I thought it was just a really good uh, mainstream entertainment, and I I, I like that it was it wasn't as much a science fiction thing as it was just kind of like a Hitchcockian thriller. Yeah. I thought just sort of from the opening credits with the Bernard herrmann esque music, it was kind of like this is what this is, and I like that about it. And there was. It, this was, like, one of the most Canadian movies I've seen in a while, because <laughs> I know it was shot in Montreal. And on that train were, like, so many Canadian character actors I recognized. Like, uh, this one guy who's been on a ton of Canadian TV, and Russell Peters. Do you know who Russell Peters is? I
1: I know the name. We've talked about him before. Who is he again? He, is, he was on the train. He was
2: the uh, the colored gentleman who is a comedian on the train the comedian yes that's right he is like he's huge in Canada he's huge like he's one of the biggest people in Canada biggest celebrities and like when I saw it in the theater like everyone like the first like five times he's on screen (laughs) everyone's like "Ah, (laughs) yeah Russell Peters I don't know if that happened when you saw it but
1: no no we were like ah obscure guy no we didn't know who he was (laughs) obscure guy nice nice well what yeah. well, help me out, Ethan. What else has he done that I know him from? Because we had this discussion like a few episodes back. What else has he done?
2: Oh, he's just a he's a stand up comedian.
1: Okay, but he hasn't done like any roles on a television show or movies or anything? He might have. Was he hit, wasn't he in that one you were telling us about the the Canadian sports film about like what was it, mop hockey or something? Mop hockey? What? <laughs> Sorry. I'm clearly never. Let's move on. I'm sorry. I, I'm not. I'm not remembering it clearly. <laughs> the you, ship has sailed. You you, 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 you. You were telling us once about this, the Canadian sports movie, and it was like very formulaic, but it was like you know, kind of an amiable little little film. What was it? It was like a year ago when you talked about it.
2: Oh, this is gonna drive me nuts.
1: Sorry, man. I just, I just, I just killed the show, Dave. Yeah, you I did. I just killed it. Well done. I'm well sorry. Done. One sp- I'm gonna spend the
2: whole show <laughs> trying to think of what it is. Because I remember
1: that's the last time we talked about him. I don't know if he's in the movie or if he just came up during the discussion, but I I clearly remember, like, Russell Peters being a part of that. What what else have you seen this week, (laughs) Ethan? Good recovery. Uh, uh,
2: I saw Lucas Muri'sons' Show Me Love, also known in other countries as Fucking Amal. Have you guys seen this?
1: No. I've seen neither title, no.
2: Well, the thing is, I know that sounds like, oh, Fucking Amal. That's really, like, oh... Controversial, but the thing is, uh, the movie is set in a small town in Sweden called a mall. And at a point, a character says, "Nothing ever happens in fucking a mall." It's not like a gotcha. Okay, but anyway, uh, it's about these this young girl who she's really unpopular. She's like 15, and she's in love with like the popular girl. And kind of uh, she, one night, she's having a a birthday party, and the popular girl is really bored, so she decides to come to the party and out of like a dare she kisses her and kind of stuff just goes from there and i expected it to be a really dark movie but it's actually very sweet and i i think it's one of the best films i've seen about being a teenager and certainly one of the most realistic it's shot on a 16 millimeter set very much the aesthetics very much help the realism of the movie and i wholly recommend it it's a really great movie
1: it sounds great. Like It reminds me of something like Swimming or like, like uh, Ruby in the Desert from your – Ruby uh, – uh, I'm not remembering the title correctly. The one with uh, Ashley Jeb. That sounds really good. Um, and for the record, I'd rather see something called Effing Him All than Transformers, The Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs>
0: I think, yeah, that's a lot of people. I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, if it was Dark Side of the Moon, I'd be interested. Dark of the Moon. <laughs> oh, it's
0: just the Dark of the Moon? Okay. Even, yeah, even then you could, then worse. you could play Dark Side of the Moon and have Transformers be an entirely different
1: What a experience. What a way to bastardize Pink Floyd, though, you know? Because, like, Wizard of Oz is royalty, you know? You can't say that about a Michael Bay film. Anyway, no, no, I'm right. sorry. Please, what else have you seen, Ethan?
2: Uh, I saw Spike Lee's first film, She's Gotta Have It, ah. which I, I really enjoyed. It's like we were talking about Mala Noche a few weeks ago, and it reminded me of that, how it's, you know, it's black and white, very low-budget independent. Very, you know, just short and tight, but it like you can totally see a director kind of forming their style, and it's yeah, I really enjoyed it, and it's really it's a really funny movie too. Yeah. I found.
1: Yeah, uh, Spike Lee is so funny in that movie. I mean, I love I love his character, and I love uh, just just the way he's like such such a wild card, and then in the story, and um, I think. I think uh i think she's wonderful and i love the fact that she's just really it was very ahead of its time in, ter- in terms of like being a sexually empowered character right at the you know the forefront of the age generation um not to bring a downer to it but i mean it's it's a great film it really is and i agree with you. i love the energy of it i love the creativity of it i love that spike made the film primarily in his attic on very very hot days and just with a skeleton crew and um he wrote a book about the making of the film and it's one of the great great books about making a movie because he he um published his journal um basically what he went through making the movie and there's so many times where he almost gave up where his actors weren't weren't doing what he wanted or actors were unavailable and he had no money and he had to you know just like go to ridiculous lengths to be able to promote the movie i mean it really is a very similar journey to what robert rodriguez went through on el mariachi um, so I think yeah I agree with you. Not only is she's got to have a terrific movie, but I think filmmakers who are inspired to make their own movie, especially if it's a little film, not like a big big film, but like want to do like a little small character driven piece, um, I think that movie is is like textbook as to how to do it.
2: It sure is. Uh, I I finally got the chance to see I saw the devil. Okay. Dave Dave let's 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 okay. talk about it.
0: Okay. What do you think?
2: I liked it. Um, It's weird. It's weird, though, my kind of criticisms of this movie because it's a very long movie. Yet at the same time, I kind of wish it was slower because I Mm -hmm. thought it really just dived into things where I thought my favorite moments of the movie where it just kind of took its time, like uh, all the scenes with the killer where he was like he had like the women in his kind of lair and he was like that scene where he's like playing the guitar and stuff. It's such like strange imagery and so the pacing of it really is attuned to my tastes, but mm-hmm. I still liked it. And the thing I, I thought was good about it, because a lot of revenge movies, I find the morals of them are just completely effed up. Yes. But I think in keeping this as just kind of like a kind of cat and mouse movie, it really just avoided that by just saying, no, this is just, you know, a piece of pulp, you know, basically. I thought it worked that way. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. And, yeah, seeing it in a theater was pretty interesting. So a lot of imagine. like, ah, and
0: okay then yeah i i love the part where he's getting ready to take advantage of the girl in the doctor's office and then he's like he clicks on the radio oh let me go get the fire extinguisher i just i thought that was one of the funniest scenes of the movie i,
2: I thought a scene that really impressed me it was the one in the, was it a car or is it a cab i can't remember where uh, it's the camera spinning around and
0: as the car's going out of control
2: yeah, I thought that was awesome. That was a
0: cap, yeah. That was an impressive bit of filmmaking, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I Doug, I, you know, after seeing The Man from Nowhere, I think I liked that one a little bit better, but this was a very interesting film overall, I think. It's dark. I mean, there's no doubt about it, just how dark this movie gets.
2: Yeah, and kind of the whole, like, he, to catch the monster, he becomes the monster thing is pretty cliche, but again, the movie's very entertaining, and it kept me interested the whole way through, so...
0: Yeah, and it finds it finds interesting ways to play with the, with with the uh, trope. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, it's good.
0: Right on. Is that That's it, all? Cool. All right, Barry. What you oh, been watching? Oh, sorry? what have I seen? Um, well, yes, thank you
1: for loaning me Tangled. That was a wonderful film. Um, I'm I, glad you dug it. I, you know, I'm, I'm hard pressed to even think about things about it I didn't like. I mean, the sequence where they're on a boat together and the candles are soaring around. I mean, it's one of the most breathtaking.
0: That was bits one of the animations. few bits of the film that I, I was happy I saw the film in 3D because of that scene. It looked spectacular. Yeah, it's a beautiful scene. It really is classic, classic Disney. I mean,
1: you know, inevitably, inevitably, there's some parts that I think are a little too contemporary, like just a little bit of hint of Shrek. But I think that those scenes are so few and far between. I I mean, for me, this was all about character. Um, a little creepy, the fact that, you know, the... I mean, the child abuse angle is kind of hard to avoid here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. like, with Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty, you know, it's like, well, it's a wicked witch. Well, in this case, no, it's, it's, like, it's like the people under the stairs creepy, like the child abuse that's going on. And, you know, don't get me wrong, like, the movie deals with it in a way that makes it a conversation piece, but I thought that's... I'm not sure how, how I feel about that. But um, you know what I really loved about the film, in addition to all the many wonderful things about Tangled, but I love that the animal characters, the sidekicks, which are normally two things I can't stand about these movies because they're always corny and, and dumb and or they're like voiced by Rosie O'Donnell, like in the case yeah. of Tarzan. I <laughs> Which makes them annoying
0: incredibly and incredibly annoying.
1: Yes. But I love the chameleon and I love the horse. I thought these are great characters. They're not just like funny and enjoyable, but they're like really well rounded characters, even though I have no no human and dialogue, so yeah, one, well, wonderful film. Yeah, it, what I loved was the fact that it, they essentially turned him into a bloodhound. It's yeah, just it was a funny choice. Yeah, he's us. bloodthirsty. He's like the the most the most gung ho soldier in the movie. Yeah, I loved it. Loved it. Um, Give me shelter. I finally saw Give me shelter. Nice. Um, this is uh, strong stuff because it begins as exactly as I thought it would. I mean, it begins like basically just an ode to how great it would be to be the Rolling Stones. Yeah, you know, how great it is to be Mick Jagger and Ronnie Wood. Um, And then uh, the setting turns to Altamont, and it becomes one of the most haunting films I think I've seen in a long time. The film completely captures, it's a documentary, and it completely captures just how wrong things were going from the beginning, how uncomfortable the artists on stage were. And certainly, um, I appreciate this film because it it really kind of corrected my view on this take. For years, I had heard about how the Stones went to Altamont, and things were really bad with the, you know, with. with, with the hell's angels in the audience and how the stones played uh, sympathy for the devil. And it became like, like an orgy of evil and the evil was in the air and the devil's like wouldn't killed people. And the Rolling Stones are part of this. I mean, it made it sound like a, like a Cecil B. DeMille thing. And they see it in the film. Um, and you really do get a sense of like the Rolling Stones had no idea what was going on, and they're as in as much horror as we were. And brilliantly, the film goes back and forth to the actual footage and Mick Jagger watching the footage for the first time with the director, which I thought was stunning. And when you see the footage itself, um, it uh, and, and I appreciate this. It's more like watching the Zapruder film than it is like watching some ghastly thing on YouTube. I mean, it's it's uh, it's horrifying and shocking, but not to the point where you feel like I need to like take a shower after seeing this. Um, yeah, this is this is a brilliant, brilliant rock and rock and roll film because it is about you know kind of the consequences of being a rock star during this really crazy countercultural period, um, and also you know just how the rolling stones were such a rock band of their era and and seemingly every era after that so i, I highly recommend okay because i'm that. not a stones
0: fan but i've seen i've seen the criterion everywhere you know, i've
1: always I, thought I'm yeah if it's worth watching i highly recommend it because i thought it was going to be like, like the one that scorsese did i wasn't crazy about because it had its moments but i think it, it is just a concert film a very good concert film but not not outstanding this is more fly on the wall it shows a lot of them in the recording studio and them just goofing around being themselves but the second half of the film when it takes place at altamont and altamont the bad stuff that went down it's it's like watching a horror film it's it's so powerful
2: there's a scene i think in that movie that kind of captures the power of documentaries where uh that that hell's angels that remember the hell's angels is staring Mick jagger down right like that's something you will never see in a fiction movie no joke
1: and and i love that brilliant brilliant freeze frame where jagger is leaving the studio and the camera just pauses on him and you just see how shaken he is by what he's witnessed and how he realizes like like just the fact that he walked away from there alive is something to, to celebrate because they like the, the amount of danger everybody was in that day. Um, yeah, this is this is haunting stuff. Um, but I mean, for me, it's like it's like a cross between the greatest rock and roll movie ever made and watching the Zapruder footage. It's like it's fascinating, it's huh. scary, it's disturbing, but uh, it leaves you with so much food for thought. This is a brilliant film. Um, another Criterion release. I finally got to see Roger Vadim's original and God created women with uh, Bridget Bardot. This is a very enjoyable piece of fluff. It was shot in Technicolor. The colors just absolutely pop off the screen. Um, The story could not be of littler consequences. Like who (laughs) cares what this film is about? It's, it's complete and utter disposable fluff. Um, Bottom line, it has a, it has a state of the art special effect in the film by the name of Bridget Bardot. And you see exactly why she became such a sensation after this film. Um, The movie is full of peekaboo nudity and all sorts of little innuendos here and there. But again, like it's, it's, it's completely enjoyable. It's nothing profound. I'm kind of amazed that Vadim did the remake himself, the one with with uh, Rebecca De in '87, which is a dreadful film, and he also did Barbarella. So clearly, this man loved women. So my heart goes out to Vadim because if nothing else, he he definitely could appreciate the finer things in life. Um, we
2: we actually watched that in class like a month ago, and uh-huh. uh, after we watched it, our our professor he pointed out all these visual things in the movie that I think actually makes the movie a lot deeper than you're saying, like. Uh, Maybe not like completely huge things, but like there's a scene where it's uh it's her her, f- her fiance in the movie and they're on a car and like all the colors of them are like the colors she's wearing he's wearing on the car are, like the colors of the French flag and stuff like that and uh, he pointed out all uh, like the uh, how it represented Frances socially at the time and stuff and I thought, wow, this is a great film after my professor went through it but
1: it's truly ahead of its time in terms of the sexual attitudes because some of that dialogue I'm sure would have been really shocking back then um, it was definitely a movie that was a little bit ahead of the curve in terms of like female empowerment and whatnot. T- today I mean I think it could be really appreciated for, for one thing primarily no question it's a beautiful film and I love the scene of the boat on fire like there's a lot of great visuals in the movie it's just a pleasure to watch but I I, uh, I, would, I should have taken that class because uh, I don't think there's a lot there but perhaps there's more than meets the eye and then wow! Fi- and you went there with a the- wow. Okay. It's a general general saying. Uh-huh. And then, uh, uh, well, you know, I like to mix things up. In addition to watching films like Vim Vendors* and *Godard*, I occasionally like to deep dip into a big vat of cheese. And I found one on Netflix, a movie I'd always wanted to see because I remember when it was in theaters for about a week. It was called *Ski Patrol*. It's, I remember
0: uh, when that came out. I never saw it. Yeah,
1: I, I did. I saw it for the first time the other night. I mean, it's rated PG. This was Paul Mislansky, the producer of the Police Academy movies, kind of trying to make a Police Academy movie on the slopes. And it's about a wacky recruit of uh, Police Academy ski patrolmen who basically oversee this place. I mean, the, the biggest names in this movie are Ray Walson, and uh martin mole so that's that's the kind of movie it is wow um to say the least like the 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 ski stunts are so spectacular uh the movie didn't need the plot and boy should they've gotten rid of the plot because the the acting the script directing everything is terrible but the ski stunts are amazing i want to point out one thing really quickly this is the last film i saw this week um with with ski patrol I'm not going to say what it was, but I just recently saw a film that had George Lopez in it. I'm not going to say what it is, but I, I did I did see it recently. It's not one of those Chihuahua movies. I was going to say no, no, no. Okay. brand new movie. It's in theaters. Oh, it's going to be in theaters really soon. Um, and George Lopez is in Ski Patrol. It's his first film. And, you know, it's weird. The film came out in 1990. He looks exactly the same. Exactly the same, which is kind of creepy. But here's the thing. Like, I'm, I'm not going to pick on George Lopez in terms of his TV work. The George Lopez show was not my favorite sitcom. But, you know, what? it was funny and he was good on it. But he's one of these guys who, like, can be, you know, moderately funny or entertaining on TV. But in movies, he just sucks the funny out of the room. Mm-hmm. He's one of these guys just like he is a comic vacuum on the screen. Um... And he was that way in Ski Patrol, too, because I thought, well, this is back when he was just a stand-up comedian, and, like, I don't know how he got a role in that movie based on,
0: <laughs>
1: I don't know. I don't Fair know. Enough. George Lopez is strange. Like, he's one of these guys, like, you know, he's almost like David Caruso in the sense, like, wow. on, TV, on, on TV he's sensational when it comes to being in movies. Wait, wait whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh,
2: David Caruso is sensational on TV?
1: Yeah. He was excellent on <laughs> NYPD Blue.
2: Turns out the wave is not the only thing to hit Miami. Yeah
0: that that's sensational he, I, I, you're, you're talking pre csm yeah.
1: I'm talking about when he was actually like the hottest star on TV and then he went and did Jade and Kiss of Death and all these other movies there were people like maybe TV is the right the right size for David <laughs> Caruso yeah yeah, I, mm,
0: yeah although I
1: do like me some Jade I am, I'm a closet Jade fan well not anymore I'm, I'm out of the closet now I like go. Jade wow. I'm open there, there it is. is
0: there it is I'm coming out wow wow <laughs> Yeah, you know, I did realize I just started watching one thing on Netflix, and that was uh, The Young Indiana Jones, Adventures of Young and Indiana Jones are all on Netflix now. Great. So I started great. watching the first movie, and that's really, it's entertaining. It's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, Have you seen the episode with Harrison Ford? No. I've only, I've not watched much of the show at all. I've always been curious, and I'm like, hey, I'm not going to pay $80 for a box set, but for free streaming. Why not? Got to see that episode, Dave. It's not one of the great
1: episodes, and Harris, I mean, I don't want to oversell it, but it is cool to see him as, as Indiana Jones again, and he just did The Fugitive, so he has the big fugitive beard, but nice. it's Indiana Jones. Nice. I have. A, I suspect you'll like that episode better than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, but I'm going out no limb here. I'm,
0: I'm pretty sure that wouldn't be too tough to do. I'm just going to say, yeah. All right, let's go ahead and talk about what hit theaters this past weekend. Well, currently the number one movie in America, I think. I haven't seen the final numbers yet, but number one movie in America, last time
1: I checked, was Arthur, the remake of the classic Dudley Moore, Liza Minnelli, John Gilgood film. Uh, You're me look it up, aren't you? Sorry. <laughs> well, you don't have to. <laughs> no, the but... remake stars, uh, of course, Russell Brand and Helen Mirren. And
0: Nope. You know the- Ooh, no, not it, even close. Is Hop, Hop number be, one? Beat that, t- almost doubled up on Arthur. Is Hop going to be any good? Like, I don't, I don't know no anybody idea. who's seen it, and the reviews have been terrible. And I don't know, but all I know is it made 21.6 in- 21 million, Ar- second week? Wow. Arthur's sitting at
1: 12.6. <laughs> Holy crap, that's not good at all. Never mind, so Arthur is, well, it was number one on Friday, but I guess that was <laughs> very short-lived. Um, also in theaters, a film I've been pushing a lot on this show, uh, Soul Surfer with anna Sophia Robb, Dennis yes. Quaid, and Helen Hunt. Uh, Born to be Wild 3D,
0: did that make the top ten? Wouldn't it be wild 3D? Anybody I see that? I don't know. Let me check the full weekend chart. Okay, sorry. I'm sorry, man. That's okay. Uh, Wow. Um, Born, Born to be Wild. Wild was number 18. Number
1: 18. All right, so so catch it while you can, folks, if you're interested. Yes. Uh, the new film by Joel Wright, Hannah, with, uh, of course, Sayori's Ronan, Kate uh, Blanchett, and Eric Bana. You know, I've been resisting this movie, but the reviews have been so good. I will see this film. I will see it. Um, Let's see. In limited release, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Shame on me. Shame on me. I'm forgetting David Gordon Green's Your Highness, which we will get to shortly, listeners. Um, in limited release, you've got Henry's Crime a very offbeat and critically bashed uh, black comedy starring uh, Keanu Reeves James Conn and Vera Farmiga curious interesting story meeting Monica Valor. this is of course the black comedy starring uh, Kim Cattrall as a former 80's porn star okay and then Meeks Cut Off, the critically acclaimed film we've talked a few times about on this site um, and then finally American the Bill Hicks story
0: yes is that this week or next week is it next week did I get that wrong? Oh, no, no. That is on this week. This week? My okay. bad. My okay. bad. Limited yeah, that's all this week. Limited, limited. Yes, in limited <laughs> release. Um, so, shall we talk Soul Surfer first and then let... Yeah, yeah let, we'll talk about Soul Surfer. I mean, like, I just want to say really quickly, like, almost... The shark every, looks fake.
1: Sorry. I, I couldn't tell it. <laughs> there you go. But it didn't jump the shark, huh? This is true. Ah, there we go. Um, I, uh, there's been so much in the press about how this is a Christian film and a faith-based film. And you know what, like... It's gonna sound weird coming from me, but I'm frankly embarrassed that it's associated with with faith based films because most of them are so terrible. I would be just as happy if this movie were just like released by Disney and like like people had no idea that the film is about a little girl who happens to have Christian beliefs. Um, it's not left behind. No, it. Well, it's it's it's. I mean, frankly, like. I don't. I wouldn't even put it in that same category because I think this is a very professional film. I think this yes. is a really polished movie. I think the performances are so good, and I think the surf footage is so spectacular, and the story is so so engrossing and so good. Um, Roger Ebert bashed the film and said, really? uh, "Well, he gave it two and a half stars, and he said okay. basically that he thought that it made the girl's journey, uh, her recovery, seem too easy." And I thought, well, you know, it's it's a. I mean, it's a it's a it's a family film. Yeah. You know, this isn't going to be 127 hours, you know. it's, And he also thought that, like, there are a few critics that said they didn't like the shark scene. They thought it should be grittier. I'm like, again, like, we we get – it's as gritty as it needs to be. The one thing that Ebert said that I love and I completely agree with, he says, like, the, the villain of the film is Malia. Who oh, my always, gosh. He's like, the girl is always dressed in black. Is she aware that she's the villain in this film? Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> that, that's an excellent point. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they're, 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 the one thing I could really harp on against it is that there are a good chunk of this movie feels like an after-school special, especially con- concerning her. Mm-hmm. Anytime the quote-unquote villains on screen, it turns into yeah, it's, Jenny it's, eat something or whatever. It's yeah. just
1: corny. Yeah, whenever it tries to be like kind of formulaic, I think yeah, but uh, but you know we've said this before. I mean, it's it's nitpicking. I think this is a wonderful film, and I think Miss Sophia Robb, I think this is her best performance yet, which is really saying something. I think she could really continue to progress into a really important actress to watch. Um, Yeah, I love this film. I think a
0: very important thing to to take into account is the fact that, yes, there's a lot of Christianity in this film. The fact is that this family's faith is very important to them. So it plays an appropriate role in the film, I think, but it's not gratuitous Christianity. I love saying, I love that term. I'm sorry, I love that term. More that should be, the that. movie should be PG for gratuitous Christianity.
1: No, no, like I, I, I want to clarify what you mean by that too. Like, I mean, this, is, this could be a story about a girl who's a Buddhist or a Catholic and she just happens to be Catholic. This movie is not preaching at you. This film is not trying to convert you. It's simply telling you that this girl had these religious beliefs. Those beliefs were a comfort to her during this really awful time and, you know, it really helps her to have confidence in herself and to have faith in the impossible. You know, this is not a movie where, like Kirk Cameron is literally <laughs> literally preaching at you you know so i want to be clear about that you yeah. know those of you who who are not of the faith or frankly could care less about that and don't want to see a movie that feels like it's being preached at you this is not that film this is a great movie
2: <laughs> yep isn't uh, carrie underwood in it uh, carrie underwood is in this film yes. more
0: importantly kevin sorbo's in this movie <laughs> <laughs> kevin sorbo's in the movie craig t nelson is in the film
1: it's got an interesting cast it really does yeah but yeah uh, carrie, uh, yep how, how is she in it she doesn't embarrass herself. It's, I mean, I can't imagine. They don't imagine. give her a lot to work with, which is probably wise. She does, she does well with what she's given. Yeah, I mean, she plays uh, plays a young youth pastor. I mean, I'm, I can't imagine it being too much of a stretch from her life. And uh, she's she's fine at it. I mean, she has a few she has a few key scenes. She plays one of Bethany Hamilton's uh, closest friends in the film, and and she's fine. I mean, it's it's not like wow, she's gonna have this amazing film career to this. No, it's like <laughs> she was, uh, she, th- th-
2: th- she sing a song over that plays over the end credits. She does not.
1: She does sing a song in church at one point but it's not a sequence it's like the, the characters go into church she just has to be singing and cut to the next scene it's not like it's not like the bodyguard she's the one of many stops.
0: people singing
1: up on stage yes yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. so, yeah, so. Yeah, so. Yeah, so for those of you who don't like Carrie Underwood don't worry this is not a
0: Carrie Underwood vehicle this is this is an Anna Sophia Robb film but most importantly you mentioned the surf cinematography I I I could watch that on IMAX. It's beautiful.
1: It's so, you know, like that's so important to me because like, I can't tell you how many times I've seen movies with bad surf footage. No offense to Blue Crush, but so much of that (laughs) CGI crap of Kate Beckinsale on a surfboard, like it was so obviously blue screen and CGI. I mean, like really embarrassingly bad and, you know, for as much a guilty pleasure that film is, but like, you know, just, Look, being a Maui boy—not a local boy—but being a Maui boy, it's important to me that they get the surf stuff right. And I know that local audiences are going to love this movie because it looks amazing, and the music by Marco Beltrami was so powerful. Like the way it incorporates Hawaiiana and and percussion, just ah, oh, good stuff. Just a, if nothing else, just a pleasure of a film to to watch cinematically. Yeah, I really it's do. Good. I think it's a very good film. So, all right. So, how is go... your highness, Ethan? Call up my review
2: and read it in the voice of. Uh,
0: I'm scared.
2: John Hurt.
0: <laughs> I don't think I can do that, sir. How about you just tell us about your movie? <laughs> Would you like to do it? That's—I
1: mean—I think I, I, we we have to deliver on that now. Now that we have that out oh, there, I could man. just hear John Hurt reading his
0: review. Do you want to do it, Barry? I could try. Because I don't do very well with a John Hurt type. Well, I, neither do I. This is going to be terrible.
1: I don't know if I'm going to read the whole thing like John Hurt. Um... What about <laughs>
2: William Hurt? <laughs>
1: Like, well, William heard. Um, <laughs> To be straight up, Your Highness, despite being what is frequently referred to and played for comedy as a quest, is aggressively episodic and thus feels like a 102-minute sketch. A Saturday Night Live sketch? As in in living... No. And God forbid, a subject the entertainment... I... Uh,
0: yeah, we're not going to read the whole thing. What do you no, think? No, it's sir? very
1: it's very long, but this is so interesting cuz you're you're uh, my god, I mean you're quoting the beastmaster and crawl, um all the real girls. This is great. <laughs> you're like you're covering the spectrum here. And my apologies to John Hurd, by the way. I love him and I obviously can't impersonate him. Um wow, yeah, this paragraph after paragraph Okay, okay. While I personally enjoyed Your Highness, I'll admit to being part of the film's completely niche audience. As I as said before, Green, McBride, and Franco are clearly enjoying this far more than any audience will. But <laughs> I like to imagine myself on set laughing along with them at the fact that Danny McBride is wearing a necklace of a miniature penis and a studio <laughs> paid for him to do so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's really all we needed to do right That's there. That's great. Wow. That's
1: great. No, I, that's, Again, that's wonderful.
2: Like, if, if okay, like, all did, like, I know you guys didn't like the trailer. If you didn't like the trailer for this movie, you won't like the movie.
0: Okay. No, I, I did not like it. It sounds the trailer. like it's a more fun version of, like, Ocean's Eleven, where they were obviously having foot on the set while no one else was.
1: Well, you know, I appreciate your review so much, Ethan, because right now this thing is a piñata for critics. I mean, it got, I mean, like, you know, I knew Soul Surfer was going to divide people, but when Soul Surfer is critically claimed next to Your Highness, I was very, very surprised um, because critics have been so vicious. And, I mean, like, I don't know, had I seen this film in theaters, I can't say my expectations would have been, like, Humongous. I don't know what they were expecting from this film. Uh, even the best reviews said that it was kind of like a and Chong movie, and I thought, you know, what those and Chong movies—you know—they're en- enormously stupid, but they are funny. And if this movie made you laugh, I mean, bottom line, you can't argue with that.
2: Well, the thing is, like the theater I saw it was pretty dead. Like there was fifteen or twenty other people, and the only people laughing throughout the movie me, were me and one other guy. So it's like kind of like this bonding experience. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice, nice. Wow. So, 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 so how was Natalie Portman?
2: I thought it, she, it's interesting. She plays it the straightest of all the cast members. Mm. She plays it like really straight, which I liked about it. Like she you really believe her as this character, as this like ass kicking warrior. Nice. <laughs> Again, like the humor in the movie. Like I'll sum it up. If you find the idea of James Franco jerking off a pot smoking puppet funny, see this movie. <laughs> if you don't, don't. <laughs>
1: I mean my fear There it is, right there. My fear for seeing this movie was that it would be like year one. I think that was my fear. So it's 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 better than that.
2: I haven't seen year one. But the thing is the thing is like I said in my review, the thing I like about this movie is just how it's not necessarily that funny. It's just very weird. And that's what kept me interested in it.
1: Okay well and you know there's something to be said for that i mean you're saying like you know just the fact that they got away with all this stuff i mean uh, you know i mean you and i obviously differ about this film but like i like to watch Freddy got finger just because of all the stuff that tom tom green got away with i think that's one of the amazing things of this movie that it got released by 20th century fox on thousands of screens and you know and 20th century fox paid for all of it um so yeah for me like that's i mean i i guess that's something to consider when we see this that it's it's kind of like almost like a stunt that the that the filmmakers got away with
2: and i i said this from rev- in my review but i'll repeat it here but people have said that david gordon green is selling out i don't think that making a movie as weird as this is selling out mm. like i just think i know it's not it's definitely not nowhere near as good as like all the real girls or george washington i'd and i'd prefer him to make another one of those before another comedy but Again, and there's there's not like a lot of that many like David Gordon Green isms in it. It's like kind of like Finding Forrester. There's like a few kind of like Gus Van Sant isms in that, but like the only thing I could really think of in this was when uh, there's this scene where James Franco's getting married to Zoe Deschanel and uh, Danny McBride's supposed to be his best man, but he doesn't show up and he's instead he goes and smokes weed with like this like creature and it's like it's in slow motion and he's like chasing these sheep and it's like, it's totally David Gordon green, but the rest of the movie doesn't really feel like that. But the thing is also the, the production values of it are actually great. Like it it definitely feels like this could be a fantasy movie. It feels like a lived in sets and the costumes. So yeah.
1: I liked uh, your post on my Facebook page was just that all you put all Ethan put was that your highness is my sex in the city too. And Initially, I wasn't sure how to take that. I thought, oh, so like you went on a Canadian radio show and they asked you if you had a vagina. But no, I think what you mean is like this is a film that only you like, right? And That, that you're having to defend it while everyone else is just bashing it?
2: Pretty much, yeah.
1: Okay. Well, I will, <laughs> I will make it a point to see this film before the year is out.
2: You, you really don't need to, Barry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, come on. After all that, you don't think I should see it? I'm just saying
2: you won't like it. That's all I'm saying. How
1: do you know I won't like it?
2: You didn't like the trailer?
1: No, I hated the trailer, but you know it's 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 a two minute trailer. It's a ninety minute movie. There might be a lot in those eighty minutes I really like. Your description sounds really funny. I like this, the idea of Danny McBride smoking pot with the monster. That sounds great.
2: okay, well, <laughs> if if you don't like it, don't get mad at me, okay? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well you're really convinced he's just not all right like all it. right I promise I will not get
1: angry at you. I will see it out of morbid curiosity because I like the director. I like the cast.
0: Cool. All right. Let's
1: talk about what's hitting th- DVD this week then. Let's see. This week in DVD, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1. Uh, Cars and the Incredibles, the four-disc special edition Blu-ray.
0: And I'm bringing up some killer deals for that, so keep going and I'll, okay. I'll have it for you by the time. Gwyneth work.
1: Paltrow is country strong. Um, A Summer in Genoa, starring Colin Firth. I think the only Colin Firth movie beyond the King's Speech PG-13 movie that no one will want to see. Uh, on Criterion you've got white material and Le Cirque Rouge Uh, let's see Marwenkel oh Marwenkel one of the craziest craziest art films about a guy who basically well you know what watch the trailer if you want to see the movie see the film it's incredible but it's not for everybody check out the Marwenkel trailer that's M-A-R-W-E-N-C-O-L Marwenkel Um, let's see and then finally from uh, from my decade I'm amazed these guys are still around AHA the final concert ending I on a high note, um, you know, like I, their album "Hunting High and Low" that had the the famous song "Take on Me." That's a terrific, terrific '80s pop album, and I don't think they've ever done anything quite that good since then. Um, so be, I like their Bond song. I like the Bond song too. Yeah, I like the "Living Daylights." Um, but uh, yeah this is just amazing to me because like i thought like aha had gone the way of like Kaja Gugu and a <laughs> new order like they just kind of like you know disbanded it but no apparently they did a concert the f- their final concert just recently now it's on dvd so if you're an aha fan like i am check it out you know who else loves aha Catherine zeta jones she go. loves okay. aha so there you go you're good company folks if you like aha so do i so does katherine zeta jones aren't you glad to be part of the aha family so that's two
0: people yeah Okay. What the heck? It's, it's, that's all you need to start a cold following. Just there two you, people. Here. Okay. So, are, are, you, are you? Do you have a few more to go? Or I'm done. Okay. So, if you're going to buy the Incredibles four disc, which the reviews I've been reading are phenomenal, and the Cars Blu-ray, um, you totally need to go to Best Buy because if you buy them, they're twenty five bucks a piece, so fifty bucks. But if you buy them together, you get ten bucks off. That brings them down to forty dollars. That's where I'm doing math on this one. There also happened to be a $10 upgrade coupon from Disney Movie Rewards and an $8 coupon for Cars, so you can theoretically pick up both movies for 22 bucks. <laughs> wow, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> that's not bad at all. Yeah. And you should be able to do math because you work at a bank, so. Well, yeah, and I do so, tech support at the bank, so yeah. yeah so there you yeah, go. Yeah. There you go. All right, Shall I move on to some news? Sure. All right, let's save the, the sad news for last. Yeah, just because we'll have to get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by that, I'm not talking about the fact that that Ben Stiller needs to stay the hell away from Walter Mitty. <laughs>
1: I told you before the show, dude, oh, no. I, I
0: don't think this is going to happen. No. I
1: don't. Because like this is like Ripley's Believe It or Not. It's one of those projects they've been trying to do for, for decades now. Like if it was going to be a Jim Carrey movie for the longest time, It's going to be a Mike Myers movie. Nobody knows how to do it. Nobody, I don't think they, I think secretly they don't, they don't want to do it. I don't think this film
0: is going to happen. I really don't. I just don't see Ben Stiller being uh, pulling off that kind of comedy all that well, because this is a very sweet kind of comedy, which is not really what Ben Stiller is known for. Well, I don't want to sell him short, because he is versatile, and he certainly yes. can act, and he's done much better
1: movies than those Night at the Museum and Fokker movies. He really has, but uh, you know, it's just not what he's known for. It's not what he's popular for. Um, I mean I think he could pull it off but it would have to be a really really special project this couldn't be a lazy film like Gulliver's Travels for example like it couldn't be just like an easy
0: cheesy 20th Century Fox Christmas comedy yeah I I love that film this is again one of those why are you make, why does anyone want to remake this movie seriously well, well it's like Harvey It's just like just stay away from it like this it worked once it's such a unique story
1: and it you know most directors don't have the nuance or the just the, the clever playful approach to do it
0: right yeah yeah, so uh, uh, let's see. What else have I got? Have I got much of anything else? Um, oh yeah, we have some ver- very uh, vague tidbits about Tron Three coming up, um, and that would be that. Uh, it's probably going to take pick up right after the last movie left off. I don't know that anyone really so pr- wasn't expecting that. Um, uh, but the interesting thing is that they are probably going to make the Dillinger family a bit more. Uh, front and center for the third film which is good because it was great to have you know Killian Murphy in that really throwaway role with like five lines but I like the fact that they're going to have him be a bigger part of the next film well,
1: do you think David Warner will do it I hope so
0: yeah I would love that yeah bring back what? the is MCU is this
1: movie
2: seriously going to happen like
1: apparently was Tron,
2: was Tron Legacy really successful enough to
1: it broke even in the US it made tons of bang overseas and apparently like the DVD blu-ray you can't and everything find the blu-ray is, anywhere yeah apparently it's, it's going off like hotcakes so like they're trying to jump on
0: the, the bandwagon while they can yeah, because I know that Target had the best deal, and I think up through yesterday, no one was able to find any because they kept selling out as soon as they got some in.
1: You know what I've been trying to find is uh, maybe you're talking about the one, the one where it's the first movie and the second movie together. I yeah, can't in find the, it. In the five disc set because yeah. like at like King Supers, our, our shopper place over here, King <laughs> Supers, like I see the two films separately everywhere, but like the one together, I can't find it. It was cheaper to actually get the two of them separately
0: last week. Mm but yeah.
1: Yeah, cuz it was like the orig- like the original 19 bucks, the
0: sequel 26.99. Well, that's if you got the four disc set. You could get the two disc for like 20 bucks too. Oh, okay. at Target, so. And you got like 8 bucks off and what me no deals? There's a shocker. <laughs> um, yeah. So I apparently it's it's doing it's doing well enough that that Disney is ready to give it another shot. Yeah. Hopefully they'll take a little more time with the plot and stuff that
1: <laughs> well i wish like i was telling you another thing i was telling you before the show like i wish they would keep their mouths shut about this because like the first sequel was so shrouded in mystery that like it was so exciting just to get like a little bit it just seems like they're they're kind of front loading all the tron Lee, tron 3 stuff too much at this point
0: yeah but i don't know all right, cool right. that's all the news i got what, what have you gentlemen got seen any good trailers lately Ethan?
2: well there was this one It it was very melancholy. Ha. Uh,
0: Ha ha. uh, Yes, it's it's another accessible film by Lars von Trier. (laughs) I'm going to go out on a limb and say, whether it's
1: brilliant or terrible or misunderstood masterpiece, this is going to be the pinata at the Cannes Film Festival this year. And you know why? Because it's the David Lynch effect. After he won the Palme d'Or for a while at heart, like, you know, because a lot of people disagreed with that. I mean, they were out for blood, and like, he. He went there two years later with Fire, um, Fire Walk with Me, the Twin Peaks film, and they hated it. They booed it. I suspect that those a lot of those con people, the, the press and whatnot. I bet like they're really they want blood after like after sitting through Antichrist and like all the hurrah that film caused. I'll bet anything like Melancholia gets completely bashed. It could be a very good film or even a great film. But, I think the trailer
0: uh, looks fascinating.
1: It looks fascinating, but it also looks very silly. And I think uh, you know because the whole chaos reigns thing. And I just I think that. I th- it just doesn't feel like it, it It has to be like such a ma- it has to be like a break in the Waves masterpiece otherwise I feel like they're really I swear like it, it's going to be hostile for this movie I just I could feel it even mm. watching it like it just are, are we
0: just hoping that Kiefer Sutherland tackles a, a Christmas tree? <sighs> <laughs>
2: hmm. But uh, Barry yeah. it's interesting you bring that up because I know uh, I remember I saw this thing at the Toronto Film Festival a few years ago where it was this collection of short films made by all these living directors had won the Palme d'Or. Yeah. And it was like this one made by Von Trier where he's um, sitting in a theater at Cannes watching uh, *Manderlay*, which was a sequel to Dogville. Yeah, I love Manderley. And there's like this guy who's like super bored during, and he starts like talking to him. He's like, so, Hey, like, yeah, what do you do for a living? And they talk for a while. Then like Von Trier's like, I kill for a living. And he brings out a hammer and beats the guy to death for talking during his movie. So I like to think of that happening during the can screening.
1: That's a great short film. I like that idea. Nice. What else, gentlemen? Well, the the much-discussed, although we haven't seen a frame of footage of it yet, uh, prequel to The Planet of the Apes now has a full title. Yes, August 5th opening starring James Franco. It's Rise of the Planet of the Apes, just in case you didn't know that they had a planet. So now it's no longer Rise of the Apes. Now it's Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Just in case you thought this was like, you know, a movie about King Kong or wow or Coco the Gorilla or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. It seems a little excessive to me. But, yeah, I think I think Rise of the Apes. Like this movie was originally called Caesar. I guess they thought it was going to be about salad. So they changed it to Rise of the Apes. No, it was called Caesar, Rise of the Apes. And that then Rise of the Apes. Now it's Rise of the Planet of the Apes. That's because really- <laughs> American
0: people are just that stupid. Because apes... <laughs> We're gonna think it's I don't know what, Congo 2? I don't know what Or maybe think. or maybe they just wanna put it on the box set so like it looks good like next to like, you know, beneath the
1: city of the Planet of the Apes and you know, and Escape from the Planet of the Apes, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I mean maybe that's why they're they're doing it, but you know Rise of the Apes was fine. <laughs> Caesar was fine. This that that preview footage it better be really, really good. Okay. Right on. Moving along. Last one, um well last one before our big one. Um well John, uh, John Cassavetti's son, Nick Cassavetes, uh, has established himself not only as a very successful director, but also as a pretty good character actor, especially when he's playing villainous roles. So I guess he's a natural to take over for Liam Neeson, who took over for Mel Gibson to play the Tattoo Parlor guy in The Hangover Part Two. As we all know now, Liam Neeson is no longer in The Hangover Two because he was not available for reshoots. Nick Cassavetes was, so all of that supposedly golden Liam Neeson footage is now gone from the film.
2: Bit of a downgrade.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a downgrade when you go from the Star of Schindler's List to the director of The Notebook.
0: Yeah, I would say so. Oh, dang, there it is. All right, well, that's okay. Shall we just move on? I couldn't have,
2: like, I'm sure, like, Todd Phillips has a bunch of contacts in Hollywood. He couldn't have, like, called up, like, Ben Stiller or the yes. guy from napoleon dynamite or somebody
1: interesting like todd salons or you know wouldn't todd salons have been wonderful in that role have,
2: have you looked at todd salons like he looks like a fish
1: i know i love the way he looks i wish he would like be cast in more character roles like i think he's one of these directors like john waters or like john sales he looks so interesting they need to like put him in more roles i think so
2: yeah that's that's a good idea or maybe they can get harmony Korine.
1: he's an actor he is there you go. It's, he's rumored to be a filmmaker too.
0: Oh wow, you went there, sir. Dang. I did. That That's, was a cheap shot. I get was not,
1: I, you know versus look. Like, I don't like a lot of his movies, but I do respect the guy. I swear I do. It doesn't sound like it, but I do. Anyway, what or do you got? No, I'm done. Well, I'm the, done. The too. last
0: bit of news. Yes, I'll let you go.
1: Oh, us. okay. Um, well, we lost one of our great ones. Uh, Sidney LeMay just recently recently passed away. I don't know if it's... All these years I've been saying Sidney LeMay. I don't know if it's Sidney LeMay. I've heard it's both. It's LeMay, I believe. Okay, I think it is LeMay. The, the French way, LeMay. Um I don't even know where to begin here because this guy has not only created some of the greatest movies ever made, but he's made all these wonderful films that nobody's seen. I'm a big fan of Night Falls in Manhattan. Um... I mean, like he, he was 80 years old, and he did before the devil knows you're dead, which was so <laughs> gritty and edgy and erotic and violent and and downbeat. Like this guy, like he is fearless. He directed the Whiz for Pete's sake, on top of masterpieces like Serpico and Dog Day Afternoon, Twelve Angry uh, Men, yeah, and and the Verdict. I mean, he's he's a genius. Network. Network is one of the greatest films of all time. He made that. Um, he made Guilty as Sin, one of the worst films of all time, with Don Johnson and Rebecca de Mornay, but that's okay. You're allowed to make a bad film if you're Sidney LeMay. Murder on the ordinary, Orient Express. Yep. One of the great uh, Hercule Poirot films. Yeah. 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 No, uh, he was 80. That was, 80. A, that was a Agatha Christie. Yeah, of course. Well, yeah, yeah. Hercule Poirot, the the character. The, anyway. There's so many characters on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah i mean this is this is one of the great ones one of the most important directors of the 1970s one of the directors who made the 70s such an important decade for cinema um (laughs) i mean he was making great movies in his 80s people you know that's amazing it's amazing um can't say enough about this guy he was 86 years old uh, 86 young 86 years too young Uh, god bless you sir we will miss you our thoughts and prayers go out to your family you're one of the greatest filmmakers who ever lived so i'm really really shame.
2: it's so weird this happens because i swear i swear like a a week ago or so me and my friend alex we were discussing how great he is like we were just we were just guys like oh man sydney lumet like so many great movies and it's like then he dies like a week later it just it's a little eerie
1: yeah do you have a favorite or do you have a couple favorites of his other than network
2: uh 12 angry man i like yeah the verdict it's great dog day Afternoon. like pretty much all the kind of typical don't really have a but have you seen running on empty
1: Yes, that's a great. I've heard film. that's good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the film, of course. That got River Phoenix an Oscar nomination. And River is, is wonderful in the film. Um, it's weird because like Judd Hirsch and Christine Lottie are the stars, and I've they're like in other films like you would never picture them like carrying a movie, but they're excellent in that film. That movie is just such. It's I mean, it's a four star film. Um, one of my favorite films. I think I mentioned it that that nobody ever talks about is called Night Falls in Manhattan. It's a legal thriller. It's with Andy Garcia and uh richard dreyfus and it's terrific really terrific it's really gritty it's edgy it's it's very kind of morally cloudy and the performances are great um yeah this this it's one of these guys i mean we're just we're going to be talking about this guy forever you know totally
0: all right well on that note let's go ahead and take a quick break uh then we will come back to talk about the vengeance trilogy stay tuned thanks dave great show at Johnja.net. Sue Ellen Greenblatt is a real person, not an internet celebrity. So we've enlisted Billy Flynn and the vicar to help her tell
3: her story. Geek Radio Daily gives me geeky news about movies, new DVD releases, even comics and gaming. Geek Radio Daily makes me feel special. Ah, yeah. Womanly. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the episodes are just 15 minutes, perfect for my commute, or for just geeking out while I'm at the office.
1: Mm. All in one concise love
3: package. Ooh, the package, baby. Uh Uh-huh. And the best part is that it's a daily cast, so I'm always in the loop. Sometimes I listen to it out of the bath, put on little outfits. Ah! It makes me want to invite all my friends over to show how refreshed I feel. Mm, A slumber party, baby. What? That's not what I said. Get out the... Chocolate mousse. Duct tape. Oh, get out of here, you freaks. Geek Radio Daily.
0: One minute podcast provides 15% of the USDA-recommended daily allowance of geeky goodness. Subscribe through iTunes or visit geekradiodaily.com. Uh! Okay, so welcome back, everyone. And this week we are taking on the happiest and sunshiniest of, of film series. That would be Park Chan-wook's Vengeance Trilogy. Uh, he really got his Park Chan-wook really got noticed initially with his film Joint Security Area, which I have on DVD. I just haven't had a chance to watch yet. Uh, But it's essentially about two sets of guards, one guarding the the demilitarized zone for North and South Korea. That's supposed to be incredibly powerful and driving and sad also, but still very good. And then he followed it up with Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, which, uh, shockingly or not shockingly enough, bombed at the box office. It Mm -hmm. absolutely tanked. Uh, Got a lot of cult status. Then he came back with Old Boy Next, which set, I think, the Korean box office record. So it's kind of weird to have a complete bomb to... Yeah, and then he finished it up with uh, Lady Vengeance, and obviously the theme of these films is vengeance. And I, I, this is my fault. I'm the one who wanted to do this one, so I'm. I don't know. You, you, it's some. Yeah, I don't know. It, I'm really am captivated by these films because yes, all three films are about vengeance, but they aren't a cookie cutter of the same film three times. It's three different, very different takes with different circumstances, and I really appreciated them. So, um, guess we can start off with sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, vent, released in 2002. Um, about a a deaf-mute guy who is trying to get money for his sister to get a new kidney, gets screwed over, and then has to resort to kidnapping a little girl, and something goes awry, which sets things into motion. Um, what did you think about this film, Barry? Are you asking me? Gosh. It's um, a rough movie. I think I think this is probably the roughest of the movies, of the
1: three films. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I you know... It's, it's hard for me because, on one hand, I mean, I, I can't deny that Park Chan-wook is a brilliant filmmaker. I love where he puts the camera. I always love it. And like, every scene, it just feels like he finds the right place to put the camera to, to allow the action and the information to fill the screen. I love the scene in the
0: swimming scene is probably the best example of that almost which one i'm sorry where he's burying a body and then there's all this action in the background
1: well i was thinking of like even a very simple scene earlier in the movie um where the guy is in the bathroom and the bathroom is being cleaned and tiled away remember
0: and then the guys Mm -hmm. come in they slap the (laughs) thing
1: in the wall like i love that like the way that scene was shot i just ah i love it taking all the flyers down and then they come right back in and throw them back up Well, like, I mean, we'll probably have to address this at some point. Like, um, this is
0: going to be very spoiler filled. I think that we have to. What about,
2: the jerking off scene? I quite like that one.
0: (laughs) That was funny. I'm not going to admit, but there's the four guys sitting in a row. Yeah. (laughs) Well, what's funny
1: to some is not so much for you. you. No. Um,. yeah, I, I mean, I want to give this film its its fair shake. I appreciate that Harry Knowles went out of his way to say he thought it was the best film of, of, its, of its respective year, and I understand the acclaim because, again, like, Wook is, is obviously so wonderful and so trained. It has such a great eye and such a... Like, instead of just filming things in a really conventional way, he finds the angle to make us feel uncomfortable or to feel like we're voyeurs or to, like, put us a little too close to the action. I mean, he really does bring us into this story. Uh, my problem with the film... And you know, and I, I want to be careful about this because I want to be respectful. I do appreciate you uh, suggesting that we watch these films because I, I wouldn't have watched them otherwise. Old Boy was for me enough, um, and I, and I love Old Boy. I really do. I love Old Boy, but like for me, like that's it. I'm done. I don't need to see any these more of these movies. I wouldn't have seen these film other these films otherwise. I really didn't like this film, okay. um, only because I was indifferent about all the characters. I okay. did, I didn't care about anybody, um, and I've seen this kind of kidnapping gone awry story before so many different ways and different times, and I just, I, for me, like, there wasn't enough to connect to other than the fact that it was so well made. I'm kind of like, I mean, something that Ethan brought up before, like, you mentioned, Ethan, like, you like those just shots of, like, pure cinema, that that's your, that's your kind of film, and I agree, like, I'm, I'm like that, too, I love pure cinema. I, this, the parts of the movie that I loved were like, the first hour, when it became, like, you know, just one, one inevitably ugly encounter after another I just I kinda lost interest in it just because I felt that there were scenes where he was just trying too hard to shock Um, I mean you mentioned the masturbation scene fine I could have done it up without the scene where the guy is screwing the corpse as as our hero, hero, quote unquote, yeah. Which Watson. one is the hero? That's the
0: real question. The yeah,
1: title. you know, and I, and I appreciate that. I appreciate moral ambiguity. I appreciate how he's cribbing from Shakespeare and Greek mythology and Titus Androticus and Oedipal. I mean, I appreciate all that, but uh, I, I just this is a movie that I admired on a cinematic level, and I really did. I think the cinematography in this film is excellent, um, but in every other way, I, I did not like the film.
0: Okay, so. Ethan, what did you think?
2: I uh, quite liked it. Uh, Uh, The thing is, it was a tough movie for me, too. One thing I have to say is that uh, the little girl in the movie reminded me a lot of my younger sister, so that made the movie very difficult for me. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I I really enjoyed it, though, still, because uh, I I was reading about Park Chan-wook, and he said two of his biggest influences were Ingmar Bergman and Samuel Fuller, and I can so see it in this movie, because it kind of has, like, that... Morality of like *The Virgin Spring*, but it has like the quirkiness of Samuel Fuller. Yeah, like what's that guy? He, he with his arms.
1: The... Yeah, the yeah the who's mentally handicapped. Yes, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, like that's awesome, and uh, I think the movie overall though is actually a little like manipulative, and I, I think that is you know film is manipulation, so that's not really a fair thing to say. But I think there's a scene. I, I, wait, is this spoilers? What's the I, spoiler?
0: I, I think by necessity we kind of have to get into spoilers with these films. Yeah, um, they're old enough that you know I, I think that these films stand up well enough that even if they're spoiled, they're still a good film and worth watching. Yeah, so. yeah, go for it.
2: But uh, there's a scene where it's like the the. The dad, he's, like, he imagines his daughters there, like, oh saying, why gosh. didn't you get me swimming lessons or something? Yeah. And, like, he's looking at her, like, disappear from the photo. Like, that stuff's a little manipulative, I found. But I, I still, it's, it worked still, but
1: i agree i i like that she was gone from the photo i mean but for me that was the scene they should have ended it there <laughs> like there's, there's a few scenes where i just thought they're trying a little he's trying a little too hard to shock um i i thought the blood in the water especially the trail that happens in the climax was quite stunning um cinematically and, and you know in terms of it being like a path of blood like that's thematically that's what this film is about when you get the close-up of the ankles and the gas blood <laughs> I'm like you know and again like I, i'm not somebody who is like prudish about violence but i thought you know I, I just, I didn't It went that. a little overboard. I, I Yeah, I okay, would say fair so. Fair enough. In my opinion, yes. I,
0: I think the thing that's most drawing about this film is the fact that you've got the kidnapper who is a nice guy overall, you know, and you, he's set up to be the guy that you're supposed to be rooting for in this movie, and then it make, takes that hard turn right in the dead center of the film where things go wrong, and then you don't know who to root for because both guys, you know, it's just, no one's gonna win in this situation. You see the futility of what's coming. I, I really admire that portion of the film i didn't find the ending all that i think they were going like for like
1: rich irony with the ending when the gang showed up and stabbed him yeah i but again i was just like
0: (laughs) i'm ready to go home i'm ready for the lights (laughs) to go up and i could leave the theater (laughs) fair enough fair enough uh so uh, so so you're saying you kind of see why it might have bombed
1: um yes and no because honestly like for the first hour i thought this is why i go to the movies um, I again, like I, I just thought it was so cinematically rich. I don't think the fact that it's slow is a problem, but for me the problem was I just felt like I felt like the first half of the movie was made by this wonderful director and the second half was directed by his thirteen year old son who's like <laughs> you know, and like kinda of took over. Uh, you know, and and I, <sighs> I mean, between like licking the girl's ears and putting the clamps on, I'm just like, there's things in this movie I wish I could unsee. Um, <laughs> fair enough. Fair I guess like as I get older, I say I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not prudish about violence, but no, there there are some things in this movie I thought were exceptionally ugly and exceptionally gratuitous in a way that I thought really took away from, I would say, the poetry of the story because I think there is poetry But the fact that he, you know, couldn't hear and you know, they're having a sign language conversation during a graphic sex scene. I've never seen that before in my life. I don't think I ever will again. There are so many things about this movie i would say that are poetic and thoughtful that i thought that you know i kind of like to quote my own god what a what a narcissist i'm quoting myself but to quote like my own review from like the the punisher warzone movie i just i thought like after a while it felt like a little kid playing with with ketchup tablets at mcdonald's it was like you know just like splatter and you know
0: okay yeah fair enough
2: my my closing thought on this movie is that the 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 girlfriend character was played by a very attractive young woman.
1: <laughs> well, I don't think anyone will argue with
0: you. There. No, no, no. You're really. I've been. I've
2: that. been really finding myself getting into Asian women as of late. Like the <laughs> the woman in Lady Vengeance. We'll get smoking. there.
0: We'll get there. Oh yes, yes. We will get there. We'll get there. um <laughs> Coming up next, that that was released in two thousand two. Then in 2000- And listeners,
1: Ethan is single, so if you if you are a, a, a good looking Asian chick, um, we do have wow. someone in Canada who is interested. So, oh, Screen Geeks is now a dating service. In apparently, addition, in apparently. addition to you know having ScreenGeeks UK, we, we we offer so many things. Well, it just means
0: that Ethan needs to come to Comic Con and he's golden. Yeah, Comic Con or Starfest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anywhere with with hot women dressing up. All right. Yeah. Um, 2003 brought us what is easily the most well known of the three films, yep. being Old Boy, starring Min Sik Choi. And he owns this movie from beginning to end. Uh-huh. Uh, this is an entirely different kind of, of vengeance, whereas in the first film, there really was no winner in this film. In Old Boy, there's def- a definite good guy and a definite bad guy, and a definite loser and a definite winner at the end
1: of the film. Yes. Like. I, like Arguable, but Yeah, I think that's very arguable. I, I don't you know, minor spoiler, I don't think our protagonist really ends up the way he would like to. No, in no, film. no, no. I don't God.
0: think any any father would. No. Brother. Oh, oh. Yeah. Um in some ways I think this film amped up the gore and amped up the just how extreme the movie can be from Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, but at the same time they found a way to make it more technically brilliant and and, and more watchable, I think, in some ways. Now granted, you know, the one of the more Notable scenes is when he eats the octopus alive. <laughs> yeah, that is the one people talk about. In fact, that was the first time I heard about this movie. That that
1: that, that there were people at PETA that like said like this film would never be made in America. That was like the first time I heard about about Old Boy, and I saw it basically because of that. Just because I was curiosity, because <laughs> I was curious. But
0: um, now I'll say like let's go through the story real quick. Okay, go ahead. The the, the story fe- features Odaisu, a man who is for some reason kidnapped, drugged, and imprisoned for was it fifteen years. Twenty years, something so, yeah. like that, and uh, one day is just randomly let go with a cell phone, some money, and go have fun. See if you can find who did this, and it's it's <laughs> the body count is staggering in this movie. I think it's fair to say. Yeah. So okay.
1: Well, all I was going to say, like, I mean, you mentioned the violence, and I mean, no question, this is an extraordinarily violent movie. But whereas, I, I you know, like I said, like the violence in Sympathy for Mr. Avengers, I think bothered me because I didn't. I personally didn't find a story and characters to just like be drawn to, but Min- Sik Choi. Yes yeah, the actor. I want yeah. to say the actor's name right. Um, grabbed me from the first scene because of his performance. The story I thought was a superb mystery, kind of like almost like a film noir, like something like a, like DOA or something, just this man on this quest and this very flawed and, and, and uh, very brooding and charismatic man. Um, I, as far as being a mystery and a thriller and an action movie, I mean, yes, it's extremely violent, but for me – um, the emotion, this film This film grabbed my emotions more than the other two.
0: Fair enough.
2: Okay. Ethan? It's been such a long time since I've seen this movie. And when I was like me trying to make notes, the first thing I wrote down was octopus, and then you... <laughs> 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 nice! <laughs> then you took it. My bad. So looking at my notes, um, something I, I... Okay, so spoilers here. The guy who was imprisoned oday sue i'm trying to remember here it was because like he like what did he do again why why was he imprisoned again i'm trying to remember oh, you, you
0: wronged him right and that's why the whole thing comes around with he like caught his him making out with his sister or something i don't and, remember what the oh what yeah, the yeah,
2: yeah. Is, but yeah but yeah something i thought was weird was wasn't um the actor who played the guy at the end he was like a lot younger Wasn't he? Like, I just remember finding that really weird. I thought, like, shouldn't he be the same age as Sue?
0: Well, different people age differently, sir. I don't
2: know. I don't know. It's been a long time since so I've
0: seen it. I, I, and we we do have to mention the one of the most epic fight scenes ever put to celluloid. Uh, that fight in the corridor is nothing short of truly earning the word epic. I think. I was reading that it took a number of days to get it right, a number
1: of takes, and no, it's 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 one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen in terms of filmmaking. It's it's uh, it's clearly. I mean, we've mentioned this before, but when Zack Snyder did that prison break scene in, in Watchmen, he was clearly trying to emulate this, and you can't top this you can't beat this you can't match it it's brilliant it's one of the most amazing thrilling violent and
0: jaw-dropping spectacles i've ever seen in any film and i oh man thematically this film is probably i don't know it's it's hard to say which of these films is the most brutal between sympathy for mr vengeance and old boy i'm sure you'd say old boy because you connected more with the characters yeah um you know actually I'd probably have to say old boy too because I think the ending is just downright cruel yeah
1: it's one of the cruelest endings I've seen in any film and it is one of these things where when you first find out what the deal is you go oh but then like for days later you think that really is the worst thing that could possibly happen to this person and the way he set him up for it all and then yeah it's it's uh it's horrifying and it's it's a slow reveal I mean like I love it when the the screenwriters and the directors they know they've got something yeah and they slow I mean like I I love the climax of of uh, the usual suspects, where very, very slowly we realize what Kaiser Soze has been doing. I love that, and I love the slow burn even of the of the Sixth Sense, how it's very, very slowly revealed what's going on. And it's the same thing here; like it doesn't hit you all at once. It's well, like a two it, minute revelation, and you're like, "Oh man, that is that is painful." And when it so. does hit
0: you, you're like. I wonder, nah, they wouldn't go there. Yeah. And then you're yeah. like, oh, yep, they did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they did.
1: And in a way, I mean, you know, like, again, like, I, I want to be fair. I mean, this, this movie evokes Greek mythology. It evokes Shakespeare. I mean, and in, in, in a way that that... I think makes it profoundly affecting. Um, and yeah, and I do love this film, and I do think it's the most hard to take, but also the most brilliant because everything is in just totally in unison. The great cinema, the great performances, the shock value, the action sequences. I mean, for me, this this is, is close to like a perfect film of its type. And I, I just saw recently that um, Empire Magazine, great magazine, they I think it's like number ten on their list of the greatest foreign language films of all time. I have. I can't <laughs> argue with it. Yeah.
0: Was that you laughing, Ethan?
2: Okay, this is. I'm going to have to uh, chime in here with something like that. I I, I like these movies. I, I like this this kind of South Korean new wave, but I feel like. I, it kind of like upsets me a bit because I feel like it's a lot of people like kind of the fanboy community. This is like the only foreign cinema they watch just because it has like, you know, ninjas and hammers and weird humor. It's like there's so much more out there. Like, I don't know.
1: Oh, of course there is. Really. No, of course, but I mean, I don't blame the movie for the fact that it has, like, a bunch of kids watching going, oh, that's sick, man, that is sick, you know, I... Yeah, again, I I, I like the
2: movies. I'm just saying, like, when Empire Magazine puts it on, like, number 10 foreign film of all time, like, give me a break, seriously.
1: Well, I mean, just to, like, talk about that article, I mean, their number two pick, which made me sick to my stomach, was Amelie. What? Yeah, so... (laughs) I mean, okay, this doesn't count. I, I, I'm sorry. I mentioned the list just to make a point because it just say like how acclaimed this film is, and I think it deserves it. I really do. Um, but no, I mean, of course, I'm not. I'm not saying that Empire Magazine is, is definitive or anything.
0: Well,
1: it's um, oh. well, well, you know, Amelie is probably like one of my least favorite movies from that director. Let alone like you know, in terms of like being a romantic comedy from France.
0: I I, mean, I could t- s- name off ten Kurosawa films that
1: are better. Than- well, I mean, like, like you know, like we mentioned Bergman earlier. I mean, yeah. I think Bergman's one of the geniuses of cinema. I would put like even his weakest film in like the number two spot. I yeah. can probably name
2: ten movies that came out like the last five years that I think are better than Old Boy.
1: Wow, Your Highness, <laughs> <Orinville>. not
0: foreign, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious. What 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 are some of them you think are superior? Because this is this is this is an interesting discussion. What 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 would you put up above it?
2: Uh, Let me see. Uh, Uncle Boone. Me. Uh, See. Uh, Dog tooth. uh, Christmas tale. Hunger. uh, Pads labyrinth. The proposition uh death mr lazaresco four months three weeks two days tropical malady yeah there's
0: like a ton Pen's labyrinth that is such a fanboy movie wow wow i will say i think i liked the man from nowhere better than old boy uh which now granted i think that film lends itself a lot more to western sensibilities which i think is a very prevalent theme in our next film uh let's move let's, let's move on to lady vengeance i don't even shoot what year did it come out i gotta is it 2005 Something like that, yeah, I've got it. I, I
1: have my IMDb app on my... Uh, <laughs> it was a hard film to find because I was always told it was
0: Sympathy for Lady Vengeance. Gotcha, yeah. and, and it then, come then Netflix has it under just Lady Vengeance. Yeah, and that's how it is in the box set and everything. I've got the box set from Palisades Tartan. And, um, yeah, this did come out in 2005. I think this, this film definitely caters more to a Western audience. If you were going to remake one of these films for a Western market, I think this is the one you'd probably want to choose. Mostly. Do you want to with the plot? Yeah, the, the the plot follows young. oh goodness, I'm going to, so, uh, Gomjali, I'm just going to sp- butcher it right there. Uh, she is a lady who is falsely imprisoned after she's blackmailed into confessing to a murder, gets out 13 years later, and she's been plotting for 13 years to get her revenge, and puts her plan into effect after becoming known as the, the what was shoot, the angel? Yeah, yeah the angel of the prisoner right. she would, some, something to that, that effect yeah yeah she essentially becomes known as an angel and a very good hearted person and that gets out and not so much she becomes an angel kind of like like the the Matt Damon Ben Affleck angels in Dogma <laughs> she's,
1: she's a murderous angel of death
0: yes um, this film man I, now did you watch the fade to white version or just the regular was it colored all the way through to the yes, end yes okay. to the end mm. is that the version you saw Ethan I think so yes okay I decided to watch the fade to white version because we'll get there. Uh there there is a very stylistic choice that the, that Park Chan-wook wanted to do initially and just wasn't allowed to do it. So with the re-release, he was able to. Um this is a, this is a very it's almost a schizophrenic movie, I think it's fair to say, the way it jumps back and forth. Um you you weren't a fan I'm seeing? <laughs> no, I didn't I think I might have liked this one the least of all.
1: Um interesting um it, 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 the style is almost like um a manga I found a lot of the a lot of the camera angles and a lot of the choices and some like the fish eyed lenses It reminded me a lot of like a like a manga like if, if you had adopted it straight from like a comic book um there's a bit more humor in this one than I think in some of the other films. Humor in quotes. Um, <laughs> I I thought this was uh, an amazingly distasteful film. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, the climax, not to spoil it too much, but kind of the the jury, if you will. Um, I mean, it's obviously. I mean, it's it's M. It's Fritz Lang's M. You know the the you know the, the mm-hmm the vigilantes who are just sitting in a room just waiting to tear the murderer to pieces in the murder course just like m is a is a child molester um i thought those scenes were morally dubious which i know sounds ridiculous talking about a movie like this but showing the video clips of the kids crying and stuff i just uh, to use ethan's word manipulation and yes again i know how ridiculous that sounds calling a movie like this manipulative because that's all it is um and and you know in a positive way as well as a negative but um yeah this was this is another one where I just I just couldn't connect to it and um i found myself very irritated with it I, I didn't like the film i didn't i you know again i can acknowledge the the talent of the filmmaker and certainly the performances i mean uh minsec Choi is amazing oh, in this film he's so
0: creepy between like, that and i saw the devil he makes he's one of the best bad guys this is
1: a fearless actor who is not who does not care about like you know getting a lead role in the new julia roberts movie this is a guy who just wants to act and uh he gives a wonderful wonderful performance in this film but uh yeah, um, I don't know if it's just the subject matter or the violence or just uh, I, I, I did not like this film. Okay, Ethan.
2: Yeah, the chicken in it is smoking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I but uh, sure. I, I wasn't uh, I
2: wasn't a huge fan of it either. Okay. I for, for the most part I thought it was very especially in the first twenty minutes I thought it was very chaotic. Absolutely. Like it's just so many stylistic things, and I, you know, I can appreciate them, but it's almost a little too much. Like, uh, there's one visual I thought was a really interesting, like the dog man. Yes, that was like, wow, that was crazy. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that was interesting. That,
0: that was a vontrier little tip right there, I think.
2: Yes, uh, I don't know if I'd say that. <laughs> no, but, no, uh, just <laughs> something that random
0: and that just kind of really that that just okay. a bit of serialism. Yeah. Yeah. Sure.
2: Okay. But, uh, yeah, and for the most... I'm going to be kind of honest here. I-, I kind of had difficulty following the movie. I think I, I did may too. have just okay. zoned out I and kind of...
1: No, I had the same problem, Ethan. I, uh, you know, when once everything kind of came together at the end, I think... I finally kind of followed where the movie was going, but for a while I thought this is like a woman in prison film and a vengeance film. And then I've heard everybody describe the film as old girl, so I'm like, well, yeah, it is kind of like a female old boy. Yeah, but I wouldn't quite go that far,
0: though. Yeah, yeah. But
1: yeah, but no. I, I likewise I had a hard time following it because it, it was trying a lot of different things. And Do you think it
0: was t- it, it took you out of the film when it kept jumping between current day and back to the prison back and forth? Was that a little- yeah? That didn't help. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it was an interesting idea to introduce the characters that way. Um, I can totally see why it wouldn't work for people absolutely I didn't care for the evil lesbian bully in prison <laughs> I mean
1: I
2: think mm. that, that's
0: that's fine a Roger Corman prison movie but <laughs> I don't know I will
1: say
2: when she like slipped and fell I actually laughed out loud
0: especially when when when, when she opens up the door and waves the bar of soap at her I thought yeah I thought that was funny. <laughs> okay i i'm, I'm alone <laughs> in liking this movie um one of the things i really i did enjoy was the fact that she was so so scheming and so plodding through the whole thing and in the fade to white version the point where she's getting ready to kill mr bake or C- chin mcsoy <laughs> <laughs> wow why am i <laughs> yeah, min-sik-choy, min-sik-choy. Yeah,
1: min-sik-choy. See, min-sik-choy, gonna... yeah yeah min sick Choi min Sik see i'm gonna wow yeah I had to write it down
0: yeah that's okay um stupid tablet going to sleep when she, again, this is a huge spoiler, the the scene where she's going to kill him and decides she can't and ends up shooting his toes off instead, the film starts to make a very subtle transition to becoming a complete black and white film over the next 15 minutes and about the last half hour is, which essentially is from that point on, she completely loses all taste for the revenge of any kind. And that was when she made the conscious decision, you know what, I need to give these families some sorts of some sort of closure. Which I think the reason why they showed the video was, it sucks It's really rough to see But we're gonna, I'm gonna We're gonna give these parents You know a, a sense of closure As to what actually happened And then you can choose What happens To him afterwards I thought it was very interesting That she got the cop To go along with it Look if you wanna Turn him over to the authorities Right now I've got a cop right here We'll do it right here now If you want things To be a bit more expedient And him to die We can do that too And it, I don't think It really glamorizes The scenes where The parents go in And, and take their vengeance Upon the, 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 this child killer and that's one thing I really appreciated about the film was this film very rarely you know, just kind of basks in the glow of its violence, especially at the end. It's This is part of the mourning process. It's essentially what they were trying to say. I mean, it's a very twisted version of it. There's no doubt about that this ending is very twisted. But I think it was a very interesting choice to do. Yeah. Uh, her daughter was a very interesting thread. Um, what really caught me about the daughter was at the end when they did the cake again. Because at the beginning when she gets out of prison, it's here, have the cake, and go forth and change who you are and don't, you know, sin and be a bad person and she just tips the cake over and later tells the pastor I converted to Buddhism, which I thought was funny too.
2: I was going to say about that when she the section of film in Australia, I was like, holy crap, there's white people in this movie.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah, kind of throws you off. But I think the most affecting portion was because she she had made that choice earlier on to to, to turn away from the vengeance and just, you know, what? I need to move on with life and make a life for myself. And the way she just completely embraced that cake at the end of the film was very powerful to me. It really got me because it was like, you know, before it was, yeah, screw it. I don't need your stupid moving on and being a good person. And then it's, you know what, this is going to completely destroy me. I need to turn this around if, for no one else and my daughter, even if she doesn't live with me, I need to change. And I just I thought that was a very powerful ending to the film with the cake.
1: Why are there two versions of this film? Because that sounds interesting. I would have liked it's to It's the exact same cut. The exact same colour of the film. that it fades to black it and fades white. to black, black and white Why are there again? two different versions? I would have liked to have seen... That's interesting. I would have liked to have seen that. Yeah,
0: he actually... Um, Park Chan-wook actually did an intro on the Blu-ray, and he says, you know, this is my intended version of this. I guess the studio just wouldn't go for it. Kind of like how Frank D'Aaron couldn't get the mist in black and white. Mm-hmm. Oh, we can't do that black and white. People ain't going like that. They're going to think there's something wrong with the camera. You know, whatever,
1: so... <laughs> It's just ridiculous because, I mean, this is you know, a very innovative filmmaker and he's known for his innovations. I mean, you know, it came out around the same time as Sin City, which is arguably in black and white. It, it just strikes me that, like I, I don't know, I would have liked to have seen that. I think that would have been a really interesting touch. I, I, I hate that they, that they changed that.
0: Yeah, I do too because I, I really love that choice. Cause yeah, it's,
1: a, it's an interesting choice. Yeah. I think that would have made the, the climax so much
0: better. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I think overall these films are very well worth catching. If you haven't seen them, they're worth seeking out. I think seeing at least once. (laughs) I know Barry probably say once and once only. (laughs) Well, you know, I've only seen Old Boy once, but I I really the
1: film has stayed with me, and I really the more I think about it, the more I've liked it. Yeah, I can't see that happening with the other two, but I'm glad I saw it. I appreciate it because you know this is again a really really talented filmmaker, and it makes me want to see Thirst, which I've not seen. Have you seen that yet, Ethan? I
2: have. I liked it.
1: Yeah, because uh, my buddy Greg on Maui, who's, who's probably even a bigger movie geek than I am, and really knows his stuff, he's been telling me like, you gotta see Thirst. Um, I think it's on Watch Instantly. It is, and it's about two and a half hours long, which is why I, I just haven't made time to sit down and just watch the dang thing. But uh,
0: so, so stepping away from the Vengeance side of things, how does that compare to these movies?
2: Well, it's it's like its other movies. It's very quirky and. Uh, and uh, it's, yeah, visually it's pretty awesome, and it, it, it's got a sense of humor, and uh, I guess it's, compared to these movies, it's pretty light. But you There's
0: know. nothing wrong with that, though, I don't think. If yeah, Long I still would it like vengeance. a
2: light, lightweight movie, but I'm just saying it's not as, you know, it's not about vengeance.
0: Fair enough. And then he did, what is it, I'm a, I'm a Cyborg and you're i'm okay or something like that he did another movie it's never been released in the u.s i'm trying to track down a copy i like the of, title <laughs> yeah I, it was did not get good reviews but i still kind of want to see it
1: well i appreciate that you think is i think that one of the reasons i was hesitant to watch it is because it's the guy who did old boy but i'm glad i know it's not going to be like a, a cheese grater to the testicles watching thirst so
0: <laughs> wow there it is okay so let us know what you think of of, of these films if you've seen them um yeah that, that that's it, it's a rough set of films, but I think they're well worth watching. So yeah, there we go. There's 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 my but final not word. all
1: in one sitting. My goodness! <laughs> oh, oh God, not no. in one sitting. No,
0: probably not. <laughs> probably not so much.
1: No. Even Kill Bill Volume Two is like is like happy happy rainbow rainbow versus any of these films.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. All right, well let's go ahead and talk about what is hitting theaters this week. Speaking of happy happy rainbow, okay, there's probably nothing really.
1: Well, there is one. There's Rio, the the animated oh, yeah. film. Um, Which you might know by the Angry Birds game. <laughs> That's right. Uh, The voices of Rio include uh, Jesse Eisenberg and Anne Hathaway. This film is in 3D, um, and it's a CGI comedy. And then also uh, the... Do I want to see Long Awaited? I I think I've never asked for it, but I'm curious to see how it's going to be. Me too, yeah. Just like, how is this movie going to be? Scream 4, Wes Craven's, I'll just say, Long Awaited, Scream 4. Also in theaters in limited release, uh, Robert Redford's The Conspirator, a film about the plot to assassinate Abraham Lincoln. Um, Robin Wright Penn and Justin Long are in this film. It's quite the ensemble cast. uh, uh, One of my favorites. Kevin Kline's in this film, too.
0: Very cool. Right on. Yeah, we're probably going to go see Scream 4 on Friday before Starfest starts.
1: Yeah, it's funny. Like there's a there's a preview screening of it for critics. I won't say when and where, but there's a preview screening for this movie in Denver. But it's like not only is it almost around the time I'm going to teach my class, but it's like I can't see this in a theater with like just four movie critics. I need to see this with a bunch of screaming. Teams. It was going to be during the day. Yeah, it was a daytime. That's
0: stupid. As well, it's like stupid well, imp-
1: not to like you know. I don't want to call attention to that, but I mean that that is a sign of confidence. By the way, the fact that they're showing it early and not like Thursday night at ten thirty, like most. But of these But it's an films. afternoon
0: screening, not an evening screening. Yeah, that's the part. So it's, that's and stupid. it's critics,
1: but it's critics only, and that's the stupid part. That's a, this is the kind of movie you want to see with the crowd. That's the think. thing. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking too. Like, I think just to gauge how good it is, you really knew, do need to see. Because I remember like seeing the Matrix, the first Matrix sequel, and like seeing it opening night with the fanboy audience. That kind of kind of It made me free to be honest about how I really felt about it as opposed to like, you know, kind of going in the afterglow of like, they made a sequel to The Matrix and then walking out going, you know, that really wasn't very good.
0: I saw it with the packed house and hated it. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. Is that it for this week? Uh, Well, we got our DVDs. Yes. But yeah, as far as movies. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. What's coming out on on, on home video next week?
1: Um, And, you know, I couldn't confirm it now, but I think this is the R-rated version of The King's Speech. I'm pretty sure it is. I certainly hope so. Uh, did nervous. you guys read that article with Harvey Weinstein? He was saying that he wanted to release it so that the children of the world can see it because apparently it feels like they've been blocked. <laughs> they need like, to. Because the children of the world are like, just, you know. Just drop
2: it on like a Cambodian village and they're like, oh. You know, I know I'm I just...
0: I'm not hungry anymore, <laughs> and you know I can tell you for a fact that like two days ago I heard one of my kid the kids next door throwing a temper tantrum saying no, mommy, I want to see the R-rated King's <laughs> Speech. Seriously, people. <laughs> Wow. It's it's so – I mean, like, you
1: know (laughs) –
0: The children of the world.
1: For for all you international (laughs) listeners, just to clarify, in America, the way it works, if you have an adult go with you, you can take a child to see an R-rated movie. That is the way it works. It's not like these kids, like, are barred from the movie theater. This isn't NC-17. So (laughs) – but I'm glad – you know, I'm glad that, you know, that Mr. Weinstein and all his humanitarian efforts is feeling like, you know (laughs) – that he's like oh, Oprah in Africa. You Thank know? you,
0: sir. Thank you. I needed a good laugh today. All right, wow. Well, anyway, so
1: the King's Speech, the R-rated version that the the children of the world have not been able to see, <laughs> is now on DVD. Um, <laughs> he didn't notice. He didn't say this about like My Left Foot or like oh. you know Gangs of New York, but you know King's Speech. Um, I have a voice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do.
1: Yay uh bambi the two disc diamond edition that is a diamond yes i I sometimes to abbreviate i write like little pictures or whatever that's supposed to be a diamond doesn't look like a turnip kind of it's like the turnip edition of bambi it was the two disc turnip edition so check that out It's bambi one of the greatest animated movies of all time where's my mommy man took her away I love that scene Um, Rabbit Hole the new film from John Cameron Mitchell the director of Short Bus and Hedwig and the Angry Inch this is a real departure for him this is a grim but very moving film I want to emphasize that this is the film of course about Nicole Kidman and Aaron Eckhart losing their child but it's not like this wall to wall depression film it's really moving it's life affirming it's offbeat it's very funny at times Rabbit Hole needs to be seen it's a great film Um, another movie I really want to get behind in fact this is probably one of the best films I've seen this year Ethan, and I have seen this. Peter Weir's *The Way Back* with Colin. God, it's already on DVD. Um, Colin Farrell, Jim Sturgis, and the great Ed Harris. Um, one of the one of one of the most disposable films. Uh, Jack Black is Gulliver in *Gulliver's Travels*. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, and here's a movie that, man, like it's all these bad reviews, I'm still dying to see this film. Sofia Coppola is somewhere with with Steven Dorf. I haven't heard one nice thing about this movie. But it was I, on my
2: top ten of the year.
1: Thank you, and I am wanting to see this film so bad. It was in, it was here for like five minutes. I never got to see it, but I'm trying to see somewhere. Um, Ip Man Two available in regular and Blu-ray. Yes, um, available on Criterion. You have Ken Loach's Kess from 1970, um, as well as Sweetie, the uh, um, the Jane Campion film. This is this is an amazing film. If you haven't seen Sweetie, powerful, powerful film it has an ending you will never forget for the rest of your life as hard as you try sweetie is brilliant definitely check that film out um let's see got a few more oh here we go uh my crap title of the week although there's more than one but well okay no this isn't because this one worse than this yeah well
0: and we've got our double feature to end yes yes and i
1: promise yeah we'll end on that note um sharpay's fabulous adventure (laughs) this is a high school musical Spinoff movie starring Ashley Tisdale as Sharpay, and on one hand, I got a hand it to him, Sharpay was always the most interesting character in these movies. Um, but there's a reason you have not heard about this film until just now.
0: I remember getting some emails about the promotion. I'm like, I'm not posting about this. Are you kidding me?
1: Were they Were they asking you to like go to a the theater and see a screening? No, 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 okay. no. I don't think they did that. But because no, I mean, was... like, I've gotten some of those emails. Like, I'm not driving to like Denver to see like Tinker Bell's Magical Adventure, like you know. <laughs> but anyway. Look, sure, we, no fun. we love the Disney Company. I love the the High School Musical movies. I really do. But this is—I'm not going to see this. There's no way, no way. Um, available also on Blu-ray um, because somebody asked for it. Short Circuit Two. Yes. The Further Adventures of Johnny Five in the Big City, starring Fisher Stevens, is one of the most offensive Indian caricatures ever portrayed. His portrayal of an Indian is up there with Mickey Rooney in in, uh, in Breakfast <laughs> at Tiffany's. Yeah, it's great. T-
2: uh, Max Minghella in The Social Network.
0: Oh. <laughs>
1: it was uh, coming back i feel that joke coming back um ray Liotta in street kings 2 so apparently yeah. keanu <laughs> said no <laughs> and i'm guessing like rucker Hauer and uh john claude van damme like every other like straight to video actor said no but ray Liotta said yes that, that's street like kings ted II. dibiase
0: jr doing the marine too <laughs> yeah yeah and who was in the the scorpion king Two? i don't remember
1: because it wasn't John Cena, but it was like 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 if John Cena dies, this guy will replace him. I can't remember. Anyway, um, who else? What else we got here? Oh man, here we go. Um, all right, before we get to Dave's title, my crap title of the week, if not the decade. Um, this is a film I watched uh, before I put together my lost films class, and also my cult underground cinema. This is one of these films they show at midnight screenings occasionally. Um, this is such a stinker. The film is called Sextet. It was meant to be May West's return vehicle. May West, you know, of course, the legendary movie star. She did this film, and she was in her eighties. It is a musical. It stars Timothy Dalton, Regis Philibin, Alice Cooper, um, and a whole other actors who I'm sure will be embarrassed that I'm mentioning that the film even exists. It is a musical. There, you have not lived until you've seen May West croon "Love Will Keep Us Together" with Timothy Dalton um this film is so so awesomely amazingly terribly horrifically bad it's not even so bad it's good it is a train wreck uh Mae West is acting like she's still in her 20s hitting on every boy in the cast um the movie plays a game of of musical beds it is ghastly it is horrific it is sextet that is my pick for
0: the worst film of the week Dave you have something for us well it's it's one of the better video game movies and one of the worst video game movies of all time and really i don't even need to say the titles i can just play this you know oh yeah we've got mortal because you begged for it Paul Watt's script Anderson's Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat Annihilation are coming to Blu-ray. because yeah, he didn't do the sequel. He didn't, okay. He didn't do the sequel. Well, that's I, sad because I, the first one's better than the second one.
1: It, it's much better. Oh, yeah. Much better. Well, you know, it's funny. Like, I think I mentioned this before. Like, the first one's got Christopher Lambert, but then the sequel, it's, I think, James Ramar. Like, even Christopher Lambert wouldn't come back for Mortal <laughs> Kombat. Christopher he Lambert would, won't, <laughs> won't come back then. For Highlander too, but not Mortal Kombat 2. Like, he draws He
0: came a back line. for a Highlander Endgame. He came back, oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. He has a Highlander in Game And that's The right. Final Dimension. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. But, but no, I was like, thinking
2: now, Christopher Lambert could actually, like, he kind of has any critics. He's worth both Claire Denis and Richard Kelly. Like, he could totally, like, boast that,
1: you know? Exa- yeah, exactly. Yeah, with white material and everything. Yeah, no, I, I've i always liked him. I always thought he was really interesting. I've always liked his raspy voice. Um, I, I don't know. I, I would love to see him come back, like, in a Mickey Rourke kind of way. I think that'd be really cool.
0: Totally, totally. But, yeah, that's... Yeah, do I really need do you need those on blu-ray I, <laughs> blu-ray well, the you, first one pick them up for five bucks in the, in the five dollar drop bin a piece at walmart you know for me the coolest scene of the first one was always
1: the forest chase scene where the snakes are coming out of that guy's hand forgive me i don't know the characters names i'm not a not a gamer but um like i think about how cool that looked in 1995 but like wouldn't that effect look really cheesy and dated now oh totally especially sure. on blu-ray
0: especially in hd yeah 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 <laughs>
1: I'd Russell's honestly be
2: interested in rewatching both of them, because they're such like childhood uh, classics.
1: The first, yeah, definitely the first one. The sequel is pretty painful, but uh, it's it's definitely not without its uh, unintentional laughs. Isn't Robin show in the sequel as well as the original? Sure, I don't I think I, think I, so. I remember R-
2: the the yeah. Ma- Marissa's mom from the OC being in the sequel. <laughs>
1: California. I never watched a single episode of the OC.
2: Wow. What, wait, what? What? I thought like I remember a few a few months ago. You were like, okay, yeah, the OC was a pretty great show.
1: I said the OC was a pretty great show.
2: Yeah, because I was like, uh, you're saying how a student referenced it, and I was like, what? Well, it was a great show. It's like, yeah, yeah, it was pretty good.
1: That mean, you sure I wasn't talking about like Dawson's Creek or 90210? No, it was the OC. About the OC? Have I seen the OC? Is that the one about the kids and their parents right living in Orange County? Yes god I, maybe i have seen it i'm embarrassed now it's
2: a great show barry no no shame
0: California. Ooh, hang on here just a sec we might have to do something real quick hang on what? we'll be right back and and here just at the last minute just back from kapow in the uk jack grixon is joining us from screen geeks uk how you doing sir
3: i'm good man is it good going good, good there
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were just talking about the OC, so you know you were missing out on a riveting conversation. It was basically the who-gives-a-crap portion of the episode. But yes, what do you have for us, sir? You just got back. I heard there's a lot of really interesting things that went on, and this is the first year this convention happened, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, just a kind of brief rundown of it, really. I I mean, I I went, I had, I didn't... I couldn't get pressed for it. So I was just a lowly normal guest. And, um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, they all, you just walk around with your ticket whilst everyone else has got little badges around their necks. Um, but you're not bitter. No, not at all. Not at all. I'm a very happy man. Uh, so, um, basically, it's the first year Mark Millar, the uh, writer of Kick-Ass and uh, Wanted, started this convention this year, claiming it to be um, UK's answer to San Diego. And uh, right off the bat, I'm going to say, uh, now that I've been to San Diego and Kapow, I can say uh, Mark Millar was definitely overstating himself just a little bit. Uh, um, but, uh, but, you know, it's, it, for a first year of a con it was pretty good it was pretty entertaining though um when your surprise panel turns out to be the guy who played mickey on doctor who series one and two not, the, <laughs> not, not not the greatest surprise i mean that's what you guys will probably know him for he directs over here but i don't think any of his films have come out in the u.s Noel clark for people who are listening yes uh, he's
0: not bad in doctor who
3: Oh, he's not bad in Doctor Who, and uh, he's he's a competent director. But it's definitely not what you'd want at uh, UK's answer to San Diego Comic-Con. <laughs> um, but uh, we had uh, some interesting stuff. Uh, we had, They released the um, trailer for one of my most... Anti- it was my most anticipated movie of this year until they announced it's coming out next year. Which is uh, the Woman in Black, starring yeah. Daniel Radcliffe from director James Watkins, and the trailer looks pretty damn good, pretty yeah. freaky. So, go to it's on IGN UK at the moment. So if you can check that out. Right on. Um, other than that, I'm trying to think of what else actually happened. It's been pretty hectic. Uh, Danny McBride announced that despite uh, Eastbound and Down finishing. He would like to continue working on TV as well as film, which I've, I've, I, I kind of dig. I like an actor who likes to move both mediums. Not not Charlie Sheen style, but... Um, <laughs> I, 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 and, you know, Eastbound and Down is a very funny show, so I, I give respect to Mr. McBride. Um,
0: did, you get, did you catch the uh, Green Lantern footage?
3: No, I didn't catch the Green Lantern footage. Well, I, I did catch um, four footage which one if four okay you know you know the chris hemsworth big marvel movie okay uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, number, sorry we
1: thought it was the number four but <laughs> don't
3: mind me. Yeah, yeah yeah um so basically i have no idea what to think about this movie we got we had about 30 minutes eclipse wow which is kind of annoying because you just after that point you're just like well why not show us the whole movie <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so we got 30 minutes of um, clips and I gotta say some, some of the dialogue in this movie in what we've seen is painful okay really the stuff between natalie portman kat Denn Cat dennings i think is is going to be the downfall of this movie as i think as she just seems to think she's in a romantic comedy oh i saw the trailer and it was like wait just pause i want to take a picture of this from my facebook i was like oh my yeah. god <laughs> yeah that was one of the close I uh, she, she 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 doesn't seem to fit in and um Natalie Portman, I think, is trying to do her best to try and capture almost what Margot Kidder captured with Lois Lane, but she she's just kind of brought down by really kind of bad dialogue and the uh, the action stuff we saw looked great. It looks it looks like it it's, could be really cool in an action movie. And uh, the stuff on it's really odd because you've got this really terrible cheesy dialogue on Earth and then this bizarre Shakespearean sort of craziness going on on Asgard and you're just it, it, I'm not sure how, I'm kind of interested to see it now more than ever to see how they try and pull it off but <laughs> okay. I'm not expecting greatness <laughs> and after it, we had a Q&A with Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston who were really uh, just firstly if anyone does get to go to another Q&A with anybody on a Marvel property just, just stop asking about the Avengers after they've already said they can't talk about it.
0: <laughs> it's like fifteen questions about the Avengers.
3: Just yeah, just like oh, um, you know, I know you can't tell us about the Avengers, but have you actually signed on to do the Avengers? Have, just it, just get, get get over it. They can't talk about it. We'll find out when we find out. Just, just stop asking the same question over and over again.
0: Fair enough.
3: Uh, I asked the question about how they feel the film matches any other film stylistically. Uh, you know, tried to ask a real question, but no, question. they didn't. They they didn't answer that really well. I They're think like, I'd ask uh, how he got those abs. That would be my serious <laughs> question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I I just think he was born with them. <laughs>
0: Very nice, nice. <laughs> uh,
3: but honestly, um, yeah. So on that front, I didn't, I didn't get to go to too many panels as I was just a lowly guest, and you have to queue up for about two hours before to get into a panel. But um, one thing next I will year, say very positive year. about about the con is, uh, IGN had a booth where before every panel they would have q and A Q&A with the people on the panel just on the floor.
0: Oh, that's cool. Hmm.
3: Yeah. So if you go to the
0: panel, s- you can. That's interesting.
3: Yeah, you don't get to see the clips or footage they bring along, but you get to, and uh, also most of them they offered signings afterwards, which was quite good, cool, which you wouldn't get going to the panel. Yeah. So I just I want to say it to if, if anyone from IGN listens, which I'm sure they do. Uh, <laughs> very 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 wonderful stuff going on there.
0: That's that's a um, really cool concept. I like that that concept a lot. Yeah, yeah. That would go huge yep. over at Comic Con because very generous. Man, yeah. I don't know. I, logistically, you couldn't do it at Comic Con because that place <laughs> is nightmares. It is.
3: But um, i we got a interesting Q and A's from people like a uh, Joe Cornish who has the upcoming Attack the Block movie. If you guys have heard of that? Yeah, sure have. It's um. It's looking to be great, and he announced that uh, he is co- he, he's co-writing Ant-Man with Edgar Wright, and has announced that they have finished their second draft of the script, and that's in with Marvel at the moment. Wow, nice. little, little scoop for the site there. <laughs> Except it's on every website at the moment, so <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing with trying to get scoops on these places. You actually have to have a phone that has internet, unlike mine. <laughs> but um. So I just wanted to really say that we um, we've got a good comic con going on here. It's not as good as the Empire Run movie con, but it's better than whatever else that the UK does, which are just usually autograph fairs. So, so good review for Capalcon.
0: You're looking forward to going to fe- in future years then.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think um, definitely with time it can uh, get better. They had a they had a surprise screen didn't get to go to as a uh, danny mcbride
0: oh you just, um, uh, you, you just broke up what did you just say
3: oh um uh there was a surprise screening this year but um i didn't get to go to it because i was at the danny mcbride q a gotcha. and um so sorry um just people uh, people just bursting into my room <laughs> um, uh, do you want to d- hang sp- up
1: and down 911?
3: <laughs> um but uh no, i'm fine uh the surprise <laughs> screening was super and i think that's a good step um to have for a surprise screening yeah no kidding. uh and it's good cool it's all really good right on and uh, one thing i did want to mention this is nothing to do with uh kapowcon or anything that i'm sure you guys have talked about but it's a—it's just a, a film I saw that I—I I think everyone needs to go see, because I've—I I honestly think it's the best film I've seen all year, and no one's gonna go see it because it's gonna get lost up in the summer crowd. Okay. It's gonna be surprising. You're not gonna expect it, but I really loved Winnie the Pooh. You saw it already? Yeah, it's out early here. Oh. <laughs> Honestly, I can't recommend this film highly enough. I know it's not the typical film that people would usually even see. Okay, but it's uh, I I I can't recommend this film highly enough. <laughs> I, I just go see it. I know it comes out the same week as Harry Potter, but go see this instead. We've seen seven other Harry Potter films. <laughs> we pretty much know how it's going to end. <laughs> True, we've had a lot of Winnie the Pooh movies, but I think this is the best one.
0: Okay. Wow,
1: that's handsome That's wonderful news, Jack. Thank you. When you said it was something that you, when you were building up to what it was, I'm like, oh, please don't let him be praising the Smurfs. So good, good <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. I'll go see Winnie the Pooh.
0: <laughs> nice. You're like you're not going to believe what it is I'm going to say. I'm like, oh no, no. <laughs> cool. And then you got a couple of content. You got one contest going now on the site, and you have another one going. These are going to be open only to UK residents, right?
3: Yes. Um. Any uh UK fans out there can uh go to the uh, www.screengeeks dot co dot uk and uh, at the moment we have a contest running for an a uh, signed poster of the movie insidious signed by uh, james wan and lee wannell wow that's the director and writer yeah. uh who are both at capel really nice guys um and uh i i don't i've heard actually quite good things about the film i haven't seen it myself
0: yeah i've heard good things uh, too. yeah me too
3: And uh, uh, coming soon, probably in the next week, we'll have a contest up and running for uh, a signed poster of Scott Pilgrim vs. The World signed by Edgar Wright, which is pretty nice.
1: (laughs) Every geek listening to the show just geeked in his pants when you said, "And we're still in by the UK." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but
3: that's okay. Cool. Yes, you know, your two UK listeners, including me, will be very excited.
0: <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Wow. <laughs> Was there anything else you want to bring up before we wrap up the episode?
3: Uh, no, I'm sure I've um, extended this episode long enough.
0: That's not nice. <laughs> no, not, good stuff. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it's all good. So um, everyone, we will not be doing an episode this coming week because Barry and I are going to be at Starfest and I'm f- going to be running around like a chicken with my head cut off. But if you're in the Denver area, come, especially Friday night. I'm hosting the Battle Royale screening. It'll be a heck of a good time. Well, let's say who's who's going to be there. Uh, we have got Jonathan Frakes was supposed to be there. He backed out yesterday because he's, he's editing a movie and it's just the schedule's too tight. So he ended up getting LeVar Burton to come instead. So. Reading rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> Is he going to bring it back with a reading double rainbow? That's the question. Yes, yeah. Stay tuned. Um, let's see who else we got. We got Marina Baccarin from V and Firefly. Mark Shepard from the upcoming season of Doctor Who. I forgot to totally forgot to mention the trailer for season six came out. And when he popped up, I was very happy. Uh, Leverage, Supernatural, Firefly, Battlestar Galactica. He's been in a ton of stuff. Um, crap, who else have we Jeffrey got? Combs Jeffrey Combs from the Combs reanimator from, films. Yes, as well as Babylon 5 and... Goodness, a whole bunch. of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Star Trek Enterprise. Are any Star Wars people coming? Or yes, that fall uh, Peter Mayhew is coming. It is Peter Mayhew, good. Yes, and his uh, new horror film, Killer Ink, will actually be world premiering there, as it turns out. So, huzzah. They're going to be showing every on Saturday and Sunday morning in the main events room, they're going to be showing the original Day the Earth Stood Still, which is that's oh. just kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, let me bring up the actual guest list so I can remember who else we've got. <laughs> There's also the
1: coinciding uh, comic fest going on in the theater right across from... Yeah, in the hotel right across. Yes, yes. Okay,
0: Uh, other guests. We've got Peter Mayhew. We already did him, did him. Um, Luciana Caro, who was in Battlestar Galactica. She played Cat. Casey Biggs from Deep Space Nine. Jonathan Tiersten from the Sleepaway Camp movies. Uh, Let's see who else we got there. That's probably good. We've got some Horror Fest movies that are premiering. Uh, Let's go to Comic Fest because, yeah, they've got an an incredible guest list at comic fest i'm doing a panel that's right you're Da-da. doing a panel. You're doing a, what is your panel about sir my
1: panel is about the late film critic reggie mcdaniel who uh, passed away last year but left quite a legacy so we're not only going to discuss his life and kind of uh, kind of do a tribute to him but we're also going to discuss all the upcoming horror films of the year as well as the horror films from
0: 2010 yep can i carry on the torch because he used to do a horror panel every year at starfest uh let's see steve niles uh who is a Crazy good writer for comics is going to be there. J.T. Krull, the current writer on Green Arrow, I believe. Um, the guy who created Ninja High School is going to be there. Um, I'm sorry, Steve Niles. Duh, he did Thirty Days a Night. I'm an idiot. So yeah, oh uh, wow. yeah, the, the comic of that. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Honestly, the, I think they. I was at the sta- at the uh, staff meeting yesterday. I think they said they have sixty different artists who are going to be at Comic Fest this wow. year. So, like for the, I guess I think it's fifty bucks for all three days. You can't go wrong. So. Come check it out. Um, When we come back, we're going to be talking about a rather uh, controversial film, still, even to this day, even though most people haven't even seen it. We'll save what it is. It's a revisit to an old episode. That should be enough of a clue as it is. But until like two weeks from now, and we'll post interviews and all that other fun stuff too. This is Dave. This is Barry. This is Reginald
3: Vell Johnson. This was Jack. (laughs) Take it easy.